Isn't it incredible, Chapeau? Who knew that? We've all been working with Long Jeans's illegitimate son. Who knew that Senior L.S. Waipo was him? Owie, I believe the only person more shocked than us was uh, Javier. Well, I don't think shocked is a proper word to use, Chapeau. I think the word you're looking for is uh, devastated. Well, indeed, he was devastated, stupendous, but um, not because of the news that Senior Elias Waper was uh, Long Jeans' dad, but I think the fact that uh, he was locating to South California. Well, I guess it really doesn't matter how we read the situation, Chapo, whether he's uh, shocked or devastated or both. I suppose you're correct on that one, stupendous. Now... I think I would be uh, fair of me to ask a simple question now. Well, uh, stupid questions are my specialty, Chapeau. Hold on now, I believe we have a... Uh, we have to take a left over this conduit up here. Okay, so tell me again uh, why we're exploring this cave system. You remember the last time we were in a cave? It didn't go so well. Yeah! I remember, I remember those those, those bat, bat cables, cables were, were were out for blood. blood. You know how can you forget a thing like that? The war cry of the bat cable. Shush. Anyway, uh, before uh, Senor Alice Wepo left, uh, you know, for California, he left me a very uh, he left me an envelope in my locker. It was a it was a map with a note. Oh, we. That is correct. Uh, Senor Alice Whitebo learned that all your treasured long jeans and merchandise was all just cheap rip-off. And uh, I hear he wanted to, you'd have his collection. Um, but uh, do you find this all strange? That his collection is uh, hidden in this random cave? Random cave, Chapo? El bet Senor Alas Waipo probably cased out this joint before setting up this camp way down here. Sacred Blue, this is ridiculous, stupendous. Who in their right mind would store anything hidden in this underground maze? The only logical things that can be found down here is probably uh, some crazy guarded secrets. Maybe a dead body or something. Who knows what we'll find down here? Don't be ridiculous, Chapeau. If I knew I had a cave like this growing up, oh, the things I could kept safe. You don't even know, Chapeau. Hey, hey, look there, up ahead. Uh, I think this is it. This is Trey's fantastic stupendous. Look here, Chapeau. It's a sign. It says, you've come this far for Long Jeans' things. Move past the door, and my secrets will be found. I had no idea Senor Alice Wiper was a poet. I'm not sure what's going on here, but one thing's very clear to me, that this door is way too small for me to fit in. There must be some other way for me to get in. Chapeau? Chapeau? Oh, for me dabbler! Well, there seems to be a room in here, stupendous. Hey, Chapeau! I have uh, extra bags here just in case there's too much uh, stuff for you to carry. Uh, uh Chapeau, uh, do you need any bags? Well, 
I have some bad news for you, Stupendous. Not only do I need, uh, do I not need any spirit bags, but I will actually not be using the ones that I have now. Wait, not a single piece of long jeans and merchandise? Is is that what you're trying to say, Chapo? Well, not just that. In fact, I believe Signore Elas Wipo has never stepped foot in this cave at all. Wait. You don't think that is Signor Alice Whiteboy's secret hideout? So, what are you saying? I'm saying this hideout actually belongs to Long Jinza. What? Well, well then, uh, why do you say that? Well, there's a file in here that uh, that seems to be very secretive. It belongs to Long Jinza. It's. If there seems to be a birth certificate of his only son inside. And Sacre Blue! Ooh! What's that, Chapo? You found some long jeans and merchandise? What do you say? According to this birth certificate, long jeans' son is in fact not a good friend, Signore Alice Wipo, after all. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling as he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. Wellbo, Wellbo, welcome to a massive episode of The Wrestling Show, listener. I'm the host, Lip Hazlywood, and on tonight, we're going to start with Monday Night Raw. And, of course, taking another Raw off. It's the Universal Champion, the head of the table. That's right, Roman Reigns. Did you know the last time Roman was seen on Raw, it was October 31st of last year? Now, even without the Raw Champion, it was a jam-packed show. Starting off the show, it's Kevin Owens versus the mayonnaise of wrestling. That's right, it's Baron Corbin. Next, Bailey of Damage Control versus Meechin. Rhea Ripley of Judgment Day versus Candice LeRae. Then it's the representing the bloodline. It's the Enforcer, Solo Sokoa versus the longtime veteran, Dolph Ziggler. Then we have an episode of Miz TV, where Miz gets to the bottom of what happened to the, what's that, the, the Judgment Days, Dominic Mysterio. Now, what happened to Dominic while he was incarcerated in prison? Where, you know, anyways. And then next, we have a, a main event tag team turmoil match, turmoil, tag team turmoil tournament. For the number one contendership, five team enters. One team gets the opportunity for the number one contendership. Then, next, we go to the NXT. They bring the fire with their big special event, New Year's Evil. That's right, it's New Year's Evil time with NXT. And they start with uh, Tony D'Angelo. Why? He connects with his uh, his family member, 
uh, Channing Stacks Lorenzo during his number one contenders match for the North American title versus Dijak. And the match that's been building up for months and months in the shears, Veer and Sangha finally get a healthy Brutus and Julius Creed in a fair tag team match. Can Inishir take down the Creed brothers? Then, of course, self-imposed gauntlet match by Pretty Deadly. That's right, Elton Prince, Kit Wilson take on three of the top tag teams in the NXT um, to prove themselves to get the number one contenders for their tag team champions or to get off the new day. Now, of course, a huge, a huge mid-card championship match. Braun Breaker defends his title against Grayson Waller. Now, next, did Drew Gulak train Hank Walker enough to beat Charlie Dempsey? Well, we'll find out in this episode of uh, NXT. Now, uh, this is a surprising match. Next up is a surprising match, Jinder Mahal versus Julius Creed. And of course, the main event. It's a 20-woman battle royal for the number one contendership for NXT Gold to challenge Roxanne Perez. Um, and of course, we take you down to SmackDown. It's SmackDown time in the final segment of the wrestling show. Tonight, the Tribal Chief also takes SmackDown off. That's right, a whole week off. But at least... He was at SmackDown for the last two weeks. Now, as for the main of, as for the, the title match, the first match was a title match. It was amazing. It was Gunther of Imperium defends his North American title against Braun Strowman. Next, we go to Xia Li versus Tegan Knox. Then Bray Wyatt, um, his ridiculously long ring entrance. We'll find out more later. Liv Morgan versus Raquel Rodriguez. Then we have uh, the Bloodline, Sami Zayn on the main event, um, doing Roman Reigns' biddings. Can you get it done? Versus Kevin Owens. Now, Mr. Announcer, if you will please officially start the show with uh, the intro to the first segment. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live uh, from the Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama. It's Monday Night Raw, air date January 9th, 2022. This episode is the road to the Royal Rumble. Let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome to Season 5 of The Wrestling Show Listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and tonight we're going to start our podcast off with a very cynical review slash a look back at the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into the meat of the show, first, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors, the foundation of the show, you know. Now, representing the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, they are the team of Kathy Kelly and Byron Saxton. And last, but certainly not least, the commentary crew. The play-by-play guys, the hosts, and some may even call them the narrators of the whole show like myself. They're the team of Corey Graves and Kevin Patrick. I gotta say, uh, ever since Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves have been doing the podcast together, 
the podcast of Corey Graves podcast. Um, they've got a lot of uh, back and forth, a lot of arguing, and a lot more, uh, you know, uh, conflict. It's it's a lot of fun. But anyways, without any further cadoos, any further cadoos, let's get on with the show. Now we uh, a quick note for the show: some bad news. Of course, it's uh, three things. One, Johnny Gargano is injured with the grade two ACL sprain. Number two, Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion of Raw, will not be in Raw today again, which has been a long time since Roman Reigns has been at work. It's ridiculous. And of course, Bianca Belair, the uh, Raw Women's Champion, not there as well. She's uh, off a little bit, uh, I guess, due to, you know, uh, Alexa Bliss and her DDTs on the steel steps. Now, with that said, we move on to the show, which is, of course, Kevin Owens taking that ring, talking about his future, what's going on. And while he's talking, we got ourselves some John Bradshaw Layfield laying in to the Alabama crowd, just uh, really insulting the fans as usual. But anyways, he brings out, uh, I guess, uh, Baron Corbin. And Baron Corbin starts to talk bad about Kevin Owens and, you know, it's all about like, hey, let's put up or shut up, okay? So basically it's all this. JBL comes out and uh, brings uh, Baron Corbin to lamb to slaughter. Basically it's all about that. It's funny because what's going on with JBL and uh, the modern day wrestling god, uh, Baron Corbin? Now there's only two people that call Baron Corbin the wrestling god, modern day wrestling god. That is uh, John Bradshaw Layfield and Baron Corbin himself. I call Baron Corbin mayonnaise because he is the uh, human equivalent of mayonnaise. You know, just no, he's, mayonnaise is never the star of a dish. And some people actually hate mayonnaise altogether. So anyways, it's a, the challenge has been set. Kevin Owens versus Baron Corbin. Now, I gotta say, this mismatch was going to be good, no matter how much I don't care about Baron Corbin. Because it's Kevin Owens, he can put him in a match with, he can, Kevin Owens can have a match with a broomstick and make it look good. This is no different. Um, now in the beginning, Baron Corbin was out like a house of fire. Just uh, throwing around Kevin Owens, teaching him a lesson or two, throwing him to the corner and then gonna charge him real good. And Kevin Owens, like a great manadone, hole, walks out of the way while Baron Corbin uh, just runs right into the ring post. Like a, like what exactly what Otis would do. Mm-hmm. He pulls an Otis in this match. It's true. Okay, so anyways, it really didn't mean anything because later on, uh, Kevin Owens does start falling uh, um, victim to Baron Corbin's offense. They take the match outside and Baron Corbin with a massive, a massive uh, chokeslam outside the ring. You take giving Kevin Owens chokeslam onto the ring apron itself of the ring. Now they say that part is the hardest part of the ring. Now, unfortunately, this chokeslam... Um, Kevin Owens only fell about six inches. So I don't care what you land on six, well, other than blades. But if you land on a solid surface and you just uh, fall from six inches from top dead center, it will not hurt at all. At all. Ooh. Especially if you know how to bump. Anyways, regardless, um, Baron Corbin, he looked like he was going to take over this match. This one's, I'm going to win this one for the Kipper. And the Kipper is JBL, right? Am I right, JBL? JBL said, you got him, my man. And he's like gloating a bit, taking too much time. And next you know what, he hits the ropes and then he gets uh, stunned out of his boots. That's right. 
Kevin Owens catches Baron Corbin with the stunner. Now, this match took about a little over nine minutes, roughly nine minutes, even though this match could have easily have ended within seconds. Baron Corbin getting in the ring there and getting stunned over. But you know what? It's Kevin Owens. He puts on a great match. He knows how to work. And he tries to make Baron Corbin look good. But it's Baron Corbin laying to the stunner. And then one, two, three. Baron Corbin loses again. Baron Corbin, modern day wrestling god. <laughs> Anyways. Now the match is over for Baron Corbin, but for uh, Kevin Owens, it's just begun. He finds, uh, after the match, he finds that there's movement in the audience. And then he finds out that the Usos out there trying to ambush Kevin Owens. But Kevin gets on top of things. He attacks uh, Jimmy Uso, he attacks Jey Uso, but then Sol Tokoa comes and attacks him from behind. Oh, no, three on one. Uh, he gets super kicked. Uh, Sol Tokoa super kicks Kevin Owens into the uh, timekeeper's area. But Kevin Owens finds a folded chair, and in revenge time, it's chair time on Solo Sokoa and the Usos. Kevin Owens takes the ring. Um, Solo Sokoa tries to run back, but it's Adam Pierce and his, uh, I guess, his officials come down there to stop everything from getting out of hand. And we got ourselves a special uh, person, Mr. Um, Petey uh, Pump. That's right, Petey Williams is there too to make sure nothing goes down. So Adam Pierce, we follow Adam Pierce backstage, and he's got something to say to the uh, Usos and Sol Sokoa before they leave. Now he's got some news. He's put together a tag team turmoil match for the tag team championship titles. And the turmoil match is going to be in today's Raw. And the match is, who knows? He said the match is going to be for tonight, but it's not. And also, Sol Sokoa has a match. Now, weeks ago, he attacked um, Cedric Alexander. He attacked a lot of people. But in this one thing, he attacked Cedric and, uh, well, you think he did. Cedric, uh, Shelton, and uh, Dolph Ziggler at one go. But this time, Dolph Ziggler gets his chance at revenge because uh, Adam Pierce sets up a one-on-one match. Solo versus Dolph Ziggler and Jimmy and Jey Uso are banned from ringside. Mm-hmm. Now, with that, we go to uh, ringside with... Uh, that Corey Graves and uh, Kevin Patrick talking about uh, what's that uh, Alexa Bliss and her feud with uh, Bianca Belair who's not there currently today and this is where Alexa Bliss goes ringside and she jumps on top of the table and she has some things to say she's cutting a promo a promo and (coughs) yes anyways the promo is all about uh, how Alexa Bliss has uh, she has uh She's changed, you know, uh, or she has taken charge, I should say. Alexa Bliss has taken charge of her own life. And guess what? Not just that, but she's got the whole world in her hands. She didn't sing it, but she did say she's got the whole world in her hands. A very Bray Wyatt moment, obviously, to connect it to, connect the dots. And while she says that, we got ourselves Uncle Howdy on the Jumbotron. And Uncle Howdy's got something to say to uh, um, Alexa Bliss. Like, uh, do you really feel in charge? He didn't say, do you really feel in charge? But he's, he's questioning the fact that does she feel in charge? And this is on the Jumbotron. It is the Bray Wyatt, Uncle Howdy. Now showing up in person is Uncle Howdy. But who's this Uncle Howdy? Now I say Uncle Howdy is, uh, the cost, is a costume character. Uncle Howdy is just like Suicide from TNA, just like uh, Doink the Clown 
from past. Anybody and everybody could play Uncle Howdy. You know, just like Suicide and Doink. Now, last time, Uncle Howdy was played by Dolph Ziggler when Uncle Howdy gave uh, Bray Wyatt a uh, Sister Abigail. Now, showing up live is, I believe, Dolph Ziggler dressed as Uncle Howdy on this day as well. Mm-hmm. Showing that Uncle Howdy is real and Bray Wyatt doesn't have to be at work to prove it. So now we go on to our, our next match. The women's division, it is representing damage control. It's Bailey and uh, accompanying Bailey to the ring. It's uh, Dakota Kai and Io Sky versus, formerly known as uh, Mia Yim, is now Michin. Yep. Michin, Michin, Michin is on fire. Anyways, this is crazy because uh, before the match, Bailey asked for the microphone and uh, whoo, it, it gets rough. Um, Bailey. Now, first of all, Bailey. My favorite, one of my one of my favorite uh, women in all wrestling. She is very sexy. I love Bailey. Her wrestling skills, everything about Bailey, I'm a fake fan of. And she's so confident in this match. She's very confident. She actually gives uh, damage control the day off. Io Sky and Dakota Kai, you can you can go to the back. I don't need you here. And top that off, um, a message to Becky Lynch. This match is dedicated to Becky Lynch. So yeah, this is uh, looking terrible for uh, Michin. Wow. I mean, if this was a, a jobber. You know, some unknown person coming in there for the first time, that uh, local uh, Alabamian. Sure, uh, it'd be a great opportunity for this jobber, but man, Michin, hoo, 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 cutting that promo on you, well, Michin really have to have to uh, put out, pull out all the stops to make herself look good. Now, she did. Michin did uh, start beating up some Bailey early on in the match, throwing Bailey out of the ring and finishing off with a nice uh, tope suicida, a wonderful... One of the best in the business. Really wonderful Tope Suicida. Now, here's the thing. From a wonderful tope, tope Suicida to, like, what the heck was that? Now, Michin has a move where, uh, it's, I think it's going to be part of her repertoire. Some of the move that she does in all her matches. She's only done it a couple times now, but I think this is a move that she's going to keep. She shouldn't, because it sucks. It's her, her opponent is outside the ring, climbing into the ring from second and third rope, getting into the ring. Michin meets them with the head scissors, pulling them further into the ring. I think with the the outcome is the head scissors and then dropping them onto the head, you know, pulling down and with the, you know, like a DDT style. Never happens. It just looks sloppy at best. Now, this one here was really strange. Bailey was coming into the ring. Michin with the head scissors. She flops over. And then the outcome is this. Bailey with a face full of Michin's crotch. That's right. A crotch bump. Wow. Okay, so Bailey's now in the ring. Michin thinks, ah, the crotch is stronger than a pen, so I'm going to go pin her. It doesn't work. Bailey gets out of the pin. Later on, the final sequence is this. Michin gets behind Bailey. She's, uh, Bailey's uh, face, facing towards the uh, the corner. Michin tries to pull a ripper off with some sort of suplex or some sort of, uh, you know, O'Connor roll. Bailey ends up dropping to her knees and pulling behind Michin getting behind Michin and then pushing Michin to that very corner and then Bailey going back to back on Michin and then successfully executing a uh, backslide on Michin. Now this is where it gets weird. The ending is just weird because it does not make any sense physically. does not make sense. Um, physics be damned. Now Bailey gets the backslide on Michin. Bailey uses the ropes as leverage for somehow. I don't know because you don't get leverage with ropes on a backslide because it does not make sense okay the referee slides back first to the rope so he cannot see bailey's feet on the ropes 
Now, only thing, Meechin. Now, this does not help Bailey at all with feet on ropes. Meechin just has to uh, keep on rolling, you know, rolling backwards, and uh, just get out of the pen easy. But apparently, Meechin does not realize that, and she gets pinned. Sad. Match was the end was was just weird. It was just weird. Um. But Bailey with a big victory. You know, I really think somebody should uh, Bailey. Someone should really death. Uh, get uh, ring gear made for Bailey. Something that really makes her look like... Bailey is very hot. She's got a great body and she needs a gear that really highlights her amazing, amazing figure. Okay, regardless of that, Bailey's a great wrestler and she pulled off a questionable win over Michin. Now we go backstage with Kathy Kelly with Candice LeRae talking about uh, Johnny Gargano being injured with the grade 2 ankle sprain and uh, um, Candice LeRae's future in the WWE. Now, of course, with this is somehow uh, Nikki Cross is still, you know, uh, peeping, still peeping background, peeping on uh, Candice LeRae. What's going on with that? Perhaps that's a future tag team. Who knows? But it's Candice LeRae. She's looking very optimistic about Johnny Gargano returning soon. And she's very optimistic about the Royal Rumble that she's going to be in. But this was this little love fest was broken up by Rhea Ripley. Like, oh, I'm gonna rip off your little wings. You got no chance. I'm Rhea Ripley. That's me, accent of the Australian style. Anyways, it's gonna be a match Rhea Ripley versus uh, Candice LeRae. Now, Rhea Ripley and uh, Candice LeRae is like uh, Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss. It's like the Hulk before and after transformation. It's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, it's gonna happen. It's gonna be fun. So next up, we got ourselves the, I guess, the uh, the unofficial face of Raw, the, uh, what's that, the uh, North, the, uh, what's that, United States champion, Austin Theory hitting that ring for a promo. Now, he's unofficial because the official face is still the universal champion, the Raw champion, Roman Reigns. But since Roman Reigns has barely, barely been to Raw at all, which makes uh, the United States champion the face of Raw. You know, it's it's sad. Uh, because Roman Reigns has truly made that universal title irrelevant. Just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't, doesn't matter. The, the championship really doesn't matter anymore. You know, they got to do something about that. They got to do something about that universal championship title. Take it away from that guy. Anyways. Austin Theory's in the ring there. He's talking about the words that John Cena says so often. The champ is here! That's right. He says it down there. And he also says that now is the new forever. Now is the forever. So I guess he's, uh, that's also a, a theory, a catchphrase. You know, here, now, and forever. To, anyways. Seth Rollins. Uh, basically, he's talking about Seth Rollins taking him to school. The last match in the World Championship match. He proved a point. He's taking um, Seth Rollins to task. And actually took him out by taking his knee out. Injury. And Seth Rollins shows up the ring there. But it's uh, Austin Theory. He's looking for bigger and better things. Like, for instance, winning the Royal Rumble. Because he's entering the Royal Rumble. He wants to win that. And then going on to WrestleMania and becoming a two-time champion. Like he's always been doing. His goal is getting becoming two-time champion. Now this is his chance again. Again his chance to do it. Now, Seth Rollins, he admits that, yeah, he did try and pretend that his knee's not injured as bad, not injured at all, but in fact is, Seth's knee is injured. But, however, his uh, future, he predicts that 
he they will see at the, they will see each other once again at the Royal Rumble where Seth Rollins looking to win at the Royal Rumble and looking to main event WrestleMania. And then he takes off, leaves the ring there, and with a couple of quick quips at uh, Austin Theory. And then it's Bobby Lashley's music hits. Now all three of these competitors, Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, and uh, Austin Theory, have a history with that exact North um, um, United States Championship gold. Now I thought, okay, what's going to happen? Is Bobby Lashley going to attack uh, Seth Rollins? Because Seth Rollins wanted to, who got the belt off uh, Bobby Lashley in the first place. Nope. Walks right by him and tries to attack uh, Austin Theory. Austin tries to protect himself, but however, he gets front bumped, speared. That stupid spear, uh, Bobby Lashley, that front bump. How ugly is that spear? Anyways, with that, then he throws Bobby, then Bobby Lashley throws out, uh, you know, Austin Theory from the ring, I guess proving a point. That, hey, uh, you're going to be thrown out at Royal Rumble because Bobby Lashley is also looking for Royal Rumble instead of looking for championship gold, I guess. I, it's so weird. It's so weird. Bobby Lashley looking past United States gold, even though it's showing up there for some reason. But yeah, Bobby Lashley, he's off suspension. Can you believe it? Not fired, not suspended anymore. That's Caduce, I guess. Now with that... We go our next match. It's representing the Judgment Day. It's Rhea Ripley versus Candice LeRae, as match promised. Now, with the Judgment Day, um, nobody is there with the, uh, with uh, Rhea Ripley. That's right. Um, Rhea Ripley not with uh, not being mommy to uh, Dominic Mysterio or uh, either any Judgment Day with Rhea, which is crazy. But Rhea handling things on her own. Now, like I say, Rhea Ripley is like the Hulk the She-Hulk versus uh, Candice LeRae is like the pre-transformation of the She-Hulk. Yeah. And it's it's funny because, uh, yeah, it's like Candice LeRae, she has a resort on her intelligence and speed. And she was doing that. Right off the bat, she got ahead of Rhea Ripley. But when Rhea Ripley got her hands on Candice LeRae, it was over. Candice LeRae was thrown around like a rag doll. Like a rag doll. You know, just whipped around, beeled by the head, beeled back and forth. And then Rhea Ripley tried to end it by getting Candice LeRae on the top rope there, trying to whip her off the rip her off the top rope, you know, with a suplex. Candice LeRae slides out from underneath, between the legs, getting up from behind Rhea Ripley onto the bottom rope, listener. That's right. This could have been, this is a big move, a big spot in the match, but only the bottom and second rope move. Mm-hmm. But however, Candice LeRae pulls off Rhea Ripley with the German suplex. Now, Rhea Ripley did end up getting out of the ring there. Cancel Ray followed in there and, uh, well, I th- well, this was the end of Cancel Ray because uh, um, Rhea Ripley ended up picking her up and throwing her into the barricade. That's right, throwing her really hard, whipping her into the barricade. Now, this is the crazy part is when uh, Cancel Ray was, was whipped into the barricade, there was this poor little kid, poor little five-year-old kid in the crowd there. She, like, she almost got... Um, I guess a heel kicked, side heel kicked right to the face, right to the face. So yeah, that could have been really bad for that five-year-old kid, maybe five years old at the, at, you know, at the most. So anyways, Rhea Ripley picks up Cancel Ray some more and starts uh, using her head as a battering ram into the ring, um, you know, barricade, and then eventually throwing her back in the ring. Now while they're outside the ring, the referee would not count. Maybe she was giving them warnings to get back in the ring, but uh, they were out there for 
well over 30 seconds. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Just like an AEW match, it doesn't matter whether you're holding a tag rope or whether how long you're outside fighting at the ring. So we go back in the ring. Rhea Ripley throws in Candice LeRae and then falls in, picking up Candice LeRae with the Riptide. And with the most relaxed pin ever, Candice LeRae is really just holding, uh, or should I say, Rhea Ripley is basically just holding Candice LeRae's foot and flexing, just doing a muscle bicep, you know, bicep pose, a single bicep pump. And Candice LeRae could easily, without, with the very littlest of effort, uh, roll her shoulder, get out of it. But no, I guess this match showed one thing, one thing only, Rhea Ripley's absolute dominance over Candice LeRae. So this is the thing, Candice LeRae's hit rock bottom, and now coming in would be uh, Nikki, Nikki uh, you know, Cross coming in there. Even though, really, it should be Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell. But yeah, Rhea Ripley with a with convincing win over Candice LeRae. Now with that, we go backstage with Byron Saxton and Bobby Lashley about the suspension being list, lifted and whatnot. And then we got ourselves an MVP! Now, MVP uh, and Bobby Lashley have some history. Um, MVP, uh, they used to be a team, and MVP uh, um, claims everything positive that happened to uh, Bobby Lashley is all because of MVP. So, ouch. Yeah. So, MVP talks about, yeah, he's the one. Now, Bobby Lashley was fired and was and not being fired, but being uh, suspended. And Bobby Lashley's, uh, uh, MVP is taking uh, responsibility for getting Bobby Lashley um, reinstated. And MVP wants to be on Bobby Lashley's corner once again, even though the harsh, harsh things have been said. Now, even though Bobby Lashley doesn't feel like beating up or uh, they're that angry at uh, MVP, he's not willing to be uh, partnered up with him just yet, even though he's not, uh, they're pretty much okay now for some reason. But what about Amos? Because uh, MVP was with Amos. You know, uh, I think personally, Almas should take this time to go to AJ Styles. Now, AJ Styles has uh, got, a, I believe, a broken ankle. He's out for a long period of time, indefinitely. Now, AJ Styles doesn't have to be gone from action. You know, Almas, I think Almas should go back to him, protect, be his protector. And therefore, I think Almas and AJ Styles, they got some great chemistry together. Um, almost was uh, AJ Styles giving almost wings, almost was growing as a wrestler, as a person in the ring doing some great things and then almost joined forces with the MVP and then MVP squashed any momentum almost had it was it's so sad almost has got some great potential and almost with AJ Styles they can do some great things it's true even with almost with the original club he doesn't have to be officially a member of the original club you know you just be part of the AJ's circle regardless we move on and it's with uh, um, Dolph Ziggler backstage He's getting ready for his match with uh, Sol Sokoa. And then we got ourselves a very irate um, Mustafa Ali. Mustafa's very angry because, uh, I guess, uh, Dolph Ziggler ruined his chance at North American gold. Or, you know, actually, the uh, um, United States Championship gold because of Dolph Ziggler's interference. And this is, uh, I guess, uh, Mustafa had an opportunity to get uh, tag team gold because... Basically, they thought of a Mustafa tag, teaming up Mustafa with uh, Dolph Ziggler for the uh, tag team turmoil match, but Dolph Ziggler decided not to have it, not be part of it, because he wanted to think about himself, as usual. But I think this, I think if uh, Dolph Ziggler felt that this teaming up with Mustafa Ali can help his career, 
there'd be no double thinking that he would have easily have jumped for it. That's what I think. But I feel uh, something would have happened between Mustafa Ali and uh, Dolph Ziggler because Mustafa Ali was very upset for a few, another ch opportunity of gold being thwarted by Dwarf, Dwarf Ziggler's, uh, you know, selfishness. Okay, anyways. It's not about you, it's about me. It's about Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> Take me in prof classes. It's me and Alexa. Me. Okay, anyways. With that, we go backstage with a very interesting segment. It's with... Uh, it's a Byron Saxon with Bronson Reed, and the question is, why did you help the Miz against Dexter Loomis, really? And uh, before Bronson can talk, because Bronson, you know, that's the reason why he's teamed up with the Miz, because Miz is great. His mic skills are next to nobody. He is that good. Um, so Miz is uh, taking uh, control over the whole thing. Now, what's going on with Bronson? Now, the Miz, Bronson needs the Miz for peace. Uh, everybody who teams up with the Miz gets great heat. But unfortunately, every time uh, the Miz breaks up with the partner or the partner breaks up with the Miz, it's always bad news for the partner of Miz because they always get fired. They're always gone. It happened many, many times. But uh, now the thing is this. Bronson may not be the Miz's friend and may not do him favors for free. But you know what? If he gets paid, he's willing to do it. That's good. But uh, Miz saying uh, why Bronson helped because he's a good fella. And he's getting paid well. He didn't say getting paid well, but, you know, regardless. We move on. Now we go to our wonderful match, or wonderful match. It is uh, representing the bloodline, Solus Koa, on his own, because the Usos were uh, barred from ringside. Versus the long, long-time veteran, Dolph Ziggler, back. Trying to, uh, I guess, I don't know, I guess uh, because he was there. I guess he was there, he was playing, uh, you know, I guess he was already there doing a... Uh, um, Uncle Howdy, dressing up as Uncle Howdy, might as well put him to work. So Dolph Ziggler versus Solo Skull. This match was good. This match was okay. About seven and a half minutes. Um, it was a little back and forth. Dolph Ziggler tried to uh, take control like a house of fire at the beginning of the match. Tried to take over uh, for uh, Solo Sokoa. Solo turns things around for a bit and then pulls a Otis where Solo charges Dolph Ziggler, runs his head himself head first into the ring post. Pang! Pang! And this is where Dolph Ziggler takes over. He gets himself into a uh, a massive a DDT. Gets down Solo Sokoa. Wapo! Goes for a pin attempt. You know, Solo Sokoa kicks out. And then uh, it's with uh, Dolph Ziggler gets a zigzag. Oh, Dolph Ziggler looking really to put this away. Doesn't happen. Uh, Dolph Ziggler goes for a super kick, but that stopped. But Solo Sokoa, you think Solo's getting this, this stuff back together again? And then here's the thing. Zol Dolph Ziggler tries to go for the uh, Fame Master, jumps up, but he gets caught by Solo Sokoa into a powerbomb, but it's not a powerbomb that uh, Solo goes for. Solo then uh, pops him up, and then when Dolph Ziggler drops down on the ground on his feet, Solo follows up with the, uh, what's that, uh, the Samoan spike right to the face, right to the side of the face. And that drops Dolph Ziggler like a sack of potatoes, like a sack of potatoes. And uh, Soul Skull with a Soul Skull with a very convincing victory over Dolph Ziggler. In like seven and a half minutes. It's true. So that's right. Bloodline looking stronger than ever right now. Now we go backstage with Kathy Kelly again, with Bailey, Eosky, Dakota Kai, Damage Control, and uh, about 
um, did you did they think they sent a message to Becky Lynch about beating um, you know uh, Michin well they think they must send a message but Michin however she's so upset oh she wants to get revenge so she, she's calling uh, Bailey a cheater you know getting all in Bailey's face and Bailey has something to say it's funny this is a weird thing now Bailey he's like you know what the first thing is this um, Bailey says uh, first she's not a, she, what makes Bailey different than Becky Lynch is that Bailey is not afraid to accept help from friends sicker and that's when uh, US guy and Dakota Kai take out Meechin uh, um, and then it's Bailey with a special message now it's weird Bailey delivering this message so she goes down onto Meechin's level and she looks like she's cutting a promo she's like uh, holding a fake microphone, uh, like miming, holding a microphone in her mouth, to her to her mouth, and she, she says this. It, she says was pretty poignant. It's like, don't step up, don't don't step up for someone who won't be there for you. That's right. So yeah, don't be stepping in the business that uh, they don't care that you're stepping in for them anyways. But Bailey that said that like she's actually talking to a microphone. But Bailey, most sexiest lady in all of wrestling my opinion okay with that we go to a very special edition of Ms. TV with the Judgment Day now he expected Dominic Mysterio there but ended up becoming Dominic Mysterio with Finn Balor Damian Priest and Aria Ripley now this is a funny thing <laughs> Miz his mic skills are, are unstoppable basically saying that uh, well I didn't expect the whole crew sorry about the chairs uh, I was only expecting Dominic and his mommy <laughs> that was hilarious now the whole thing was uh, what happened to Dominic Mysterio in jail now Dominic Mysterio he was visiting his uh, grandpa grandparents for Christmas and then uh, he got arrested what happened so basically Dominic he's saying that he's so hard he's it's so it's it, this storyline is so nonsense it's so much nonsense it's it's almost laughable. No, it is laughable. Dominic's saying that, oh, he did, he did what he had to do in jail. I bet. You know, he talked about grabbing a couple balls too. And he compares himself to, uh, he understands what it's like to be Martha Stewart. I'm sorry, you don't. Martha Stewart's been in jail, been in jail for a long time. She's out now, but she's been in jail for a long time. So it's ridiculous for him to compare. But Miz, he says, he, says, he just does not believe a word that Dominic's is saying. You know, considering Dominic's wearing a uh, a $500, a white flannel shirt. Come on now. And basically, it's like, uh, you've only spent uh, uh, six hours. It's just spent six hours in jail. How could that change a man? But, you know, I guess this has got uh, Judgment Day incensed. But Damien, he is grabbing a mic and he's talking about... Uh, He's looking forward to win a tag team terminal, uh, turmoil with Finn Balor. That's right. So it turns. It, Miss TV's over. It is now the main event tag team turmoil match. Starting with the Judgment Days, Finn Balor and Damien Priest. And with them is Rhea Ripley and Dominic versus the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. To start off the whole turmoil. You know, there's a bunch of other people going to be fighting this one here too. Um, going to be, uh, but we'll get through this this uh, thing one at a time. So what happens in this match? Now, it's for sure, both these teams, when it comes down to clean tags, they don't care. 
And when it comes to tag teams, referees do not care whether you're holding a tag rope or not. They don't care. It's nonsense. This match was just like that. They do tag every now and then. They use the ropes, but usually they don't care. They just forget and they don't care. Now, with that said, um, they had one spot in this match. It's hilarious. This is the old catch the foot routine. It's usually done in TNA. It's usually done in Impact Wrestling. I've seen Carl uh, Anderson do this dumb move before. It's been done where you, it's like a kick. You catch a kick and you throw it to the referee. The referee catches the kick and beats part of the skit. But unfortunately, I don't think the referee showed up to rehearsal because he wasn't having any part of it. Even though the referee, even though the, uh, Finn Balor um, literally handed, handed his foot to the referee. It was hilarious. It went bad down so badly. Now again with the uh, hot tag, uh, what's that? Luke Gallows, Luke Carl Anderson hot tags. Uh, Carl, uh, Luke Gallows in the ring. Uh, Luke Gallows. Now this is a funny thing. Luke Gallows, he's grabbing onto the ring, the tag rope, real hard. Like, and then he wants to get the crowd involved with the match. So then he lets go of the tag rope to get everybody. Let's get some cheering going on. So he lets go of the rope to get tagged in by Luke by uh, Carl Anderson. That was a ridiculous. Okay, so I believe the end sequence is this. Carl um, Anderson's been tagged in. Um, at the end, Carl Anderson's uh, tagged in. He's going for a, uh, what's that, a finishing move, a tangent move, where Luke Gallows has got uh, Finn Balor on his shoulders for a uh, tangent. Carl Anderson hits the ropes there and gets pulled out by Dominic. Dominic Mysterio. But uh, while he's getting pulled out, it's Damien Priest getting a... It's so ridiculous. Everything he's doing behind the ref's back. Ref's doing a great job of not looking at the uh, what's going on behind him. Um, and then it's uh, Damien Priest climbs up on the wall. He's climbing the rope, getting rip's attention. And it's uh, Luke Gallows takes out Damien Priest, clotheslines him outside the ring, and then climbs out the ring as well to finish off the job against uh, Damien Priest. Inside the ring, it's... Uh, I guess uh, Carl Anderson getting upset with uh, Dominic Mysterio. And then, like you never see it, he gets rolled up schoolboy style with uh, by uh, Finn Balor. Fins him right up. Fins him right up to a schoolboy, and that's it. One, two, three, over! That's right, about nine and a half minutes. It was a pretty good length match. But as soon as that ended, pretty much the next team runs in. It's Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin and uh, Cedric like a, a ball of fire. House on fire runs through in the Tope Suicidas. Finn Balor right outside the ring. Pretty good. Now this match here, I got to say, um, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, two amazing talents, two top tier talents. Um, jobbers as well, unfortunate jobbers. So you know who's going to win this match. Um, now the match starts. Cedric Alexander is on the house. They're doing great. This match looks really good for Cedric and uh, Shelton. Doing some really good stuff in the ring there. Now, they go outside the ring for a little bit. Um, where uh, it's, uh, let's see, Kevin Patrick talking about, uh, you know, Dominic Mysterio only spending a couple of hours in jail and Rhea Ripley tearing him into one. And um, what's that? Uh, Corey Graves said, watch it. You're going to get shanked. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was hilarious. But yeah, it's like I say, Shelton Benjamin coming in, looking like a house on fire. He gets tagged and he starts destroying uh, Judgment Day by himself. You know, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Cedric Alexander, also. Like I said, they were just on the house of fire. Now, at the end of there, the end sequence was this. Shelton Benjamin trying to take out uh, Damien Priest, drives him into the corner and starts uh, climbing the ropes and doing a, the, trying to, you know, start punching punching his face by uh, corner pound ground, poor corner pounding. The corner poundings uh, Shelton Benjamin, or should I say, Cedric Alexander, Cedric Alexander tried to do to uh, um, Damien Priest. And then this is the weird thing. Finn Balor slaps Damien Priest on the shoulder, not even bothering with the tag rope. Referee like, ah, eh, it's good enough. It's a tag for me. So Damien Priest grabs uh, Sh- um, Cedric Alexander, gives him the South of Heaven um, choke slam, throws him down. Then he runs to uh, Shelton Benjamin to stop him from getting into the ring. Finn Balor goes to top rope. Coup de gras stops living hell out of uh, Cedric Alexander. And in like four minutes and 40 seconds, this match was over. And like as usual, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, take the big L. Next match. It is uh, the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damien Priest versus the Alpha Academy, Chad Gable versus and Otis. Now, like uh, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, Chad Gable and Otis are jobbers as well. Now, they both are very talented wrestlers. Unfortunately, uh, Otis has become the uh, comic relief. That's right. The comic relief. One of the biggest men in uh, the WWE. Like, uh, Otis has been replaced. Replaced. That's right. By Bronson Reed already. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Bronson Reed is going to be cashing in on the success Otis should have been having. Let's see what happens. Because Bronson Reed's with the Miz. So, nothing big is going to happen there. You know what. Anyways. The match. The match. Now, Sheldon, um, what's his name? Uh, Chad Gable. He was getting his ass kicked for the lot of parts of the match. And eventually he gets the hot tag onto Otis. Otis doesn't even bother holding the tag rope. It's kind of sad. It's kind of sad. Like this match also, no one cares about the tag rope. Now, the one with Cedric Alexander and Sheldon Benjamin, clean. They were tagging clean. The only one, yeah. But this one here, they don't care. Tag ropes, be damned. So when Otis comes in the ring there, not only is he beating up Damien Priest, but he beats the living hell out of Finn Balor because he comes back in the ring there. He takes on both of them. He's just squashing them both in the corner. And then uh, the end sequence here. Chad Gable decides to uh, coordinate things in the ring. Now... With the Damien Priest lies on the ground. He's, he's fallen on the ground there ever since the double squashing. He gets Otis to co- go back and do his thing, his routine. Um, the damn, uh, what's that? The worm. That's right. It was a ridiculous. Um, so, yeah. The, uh, gets a worm done, you know. And after that, he goes for the Finn Balor. Tries to attack. He goes on top rope. High cross gets caught by Otis. Otis with a massive, a world's strongest slam onto Finn Balor. And then Otis, uh, he's, he's the, well, after slam, it's uh, um, Chad Gable gets into the ring now and starts really starts to direct things and gets uh, Otis to go on the top rope to do his, uh, his Vader bomb onto Finn Balor. And then Chad Gable gets really close to Finn Balor. Finn Balor grabs Chad Gable, pulls him on top of Finn Balor himself. And then Otis gives a Vader bomb on both of them. T- 
taking them both out. How ridiculous. But however, it was Damien Priest was the legal man in the ring. Otis turns around to get a massive um, super kick to the face. And then, what's that? Uh, Damien Priest hits the ropes and with a massive flying lariat, knocks down Otis off his feet. And with the one, two, three, Otis gets pinned by uh, Damien Priest. How about that? Mm-hmm. And like usual, but this time it's different because uh, usually Chad Gable loses. Otis somehow um, rams himself headfirst into a post, knock himself off. But this time it's different. Otis gets his time getting the loss, the big L. Now here's the thing though, here's the funny part. After the match, it's uh, they find Finn Balor, he's just too hurt. His ribs are broken. Well, they might be broken. And he can't fight the, the, the uh, officials are out there and she does not get cleared. Adam Pierce is down there. What's going to happen? Why? They're giving an ultimatum. It's the Freebird rules, baby. That's right. Um, Adam Pierce offers Dominic Mysterio to step in for Finn Balor. The Freebird rules. The fabulous Freebird rules. How about that? Mm-hmm. It's only done by uh, before. It's done by Freebirds and the uh, New Day. So that's ridiculous. So yeah. So now new team is judge representing Judgment Day. It's Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest versus the Street Profits. Now I gotta say, the Street Profits, they got so much talent. They're such a massive skill in that ring. But just like uh, the Lucha House Party, no respect by the business. The fans love them. I love them. They got some great skills. Even though they're wearing their... I mean, they can literally step out of the ring and play a game of uh, basketball because what's with those stupid uh, sneakers come on now sneakers in the wrestling ring I know the Usos the greatest tag team out there now they wear sneakers come on now let's get professional people wrestling a boots okay regardless of my little bitching about the you know the footwear in the ring what happened in the match why? I gotta say this. This was uh, Finn Balor's time off. He's, he's sitting back there watching the ring, watching him on his nice chair. Like, oh, my ribs! <laughs> no going back there. I want a chair on my team. <laughs> and there's no one there to check on his ribs. You know, no uh, official like, oh, make sure you don't injure that ribs. Okay. So the match, yeah, we had a point where uh, uh, Montez and uh, Damien Priest are in the ring. Montez pulls ropes. Damien Priest throws himself over the ring outside. Um, Montez uh, is then uh, distracted by Mr. Ray, Mr. Dominic Mysterio outside the other ring. He follow him. Uh, Montez follows da- um, Dominic Mysterio outside the ring to the commentary booth area. And this is where Damien Priest runs like a head of steam and charges uh, Montez forward, crushes him over top of the, the commentating table for the time being. Now, but that sets up the perfect moment where Angelo Dawkins with a massive tope suicida over the top rope squashing both um, Damien Priest and Dominic beautiful tope suicida that's right uh, Angelo Dawkins even though he wears the sneakers in the ring like a like a you know like an amateur like an amateur wrestler like an amateur like some noob he pulls off the great move anyways we move off into the match we move on now, the end sequence is this. We got ourselves an interesting situation where um, Montez Ford gets into the ring. 
and he goes on like House of Fire. He starts destroying things. He well, ever since the coming back, he uh, he got his wits back together. He starts crushing everybody, and he gets Damien Priest. He throws him to the corner, and he climbs up to the corner. You know, and he's about to—I'm not sure—but Damien Priest grabs him by the neck, picks him up for the South of Heaven chokeslam, and Dominic slaps him, gives him, tags himself in. Now here's where it goes wrong. Uh, Montez Ford ends up giving the Horikarana instead of receiving the chokeslam, throwing Damien Priest into the path of Angel Dawkins, who gives up a massive um, Insigiri, a wicked kick to the face, wacko, and that knocks uh, Damien Priest down. And out, they fight outside. Um, what's it? Uh, Angel Dawkins tries to attack Damien Priest outside the ring. Damien throws Angel into the uh, Timekeeper's area. And after he did that, it's oh my goodness. Montez Ford with his high flying move. He has uh, Dominic Mysterio hung up on the ring apron, ring post there, the corner. And he jumps over the corner. A massive five star Tope Suicida just dies over there, crushing crushing Damon Priest from the outside. Now he runs back in the ring and he tries to take care of uh, Dominic Mysterio. He climbs up the ropes, Dominic is on the ground there and he, he accomplishes a 450 splash off the top going through a pin on Dominic. Now here's the thing. It was hilarious because uh, uh, Montez Ford, his legs were clearly reaching for the, to, for the uh, outside of the ring and Damon Priest grabbed and pulled him out of the ring. And then this is where Damon Priest himself pulls an Otis where he tries to spear um, Montez Ford and throws himself head first into the steel steps but while uh, Montez Ford was staring at what happened is Dominic Mysterio with the schoolboy pulls down Montez Ford schoolboy style roll up and then Dominic Mysterio um, prop up, props up his legs onto the ropes second ropes now this is better this is proper uh, you know getting better more you know nailing it down you know so the referee of course he can't see anything these days referees just don't look at anything so he's he's proper he's in a perfect position to see everything referee counts one two three Dominic Mysterio with a big victory for his team now before the day is over for the judgment day they leave the ring and we got ourselves just Jimmy Uso Jay Uso they just have a face-to-face -face. you know nothing really happens that's it we're fun you know yeah so it's gonna be good so this is the, like the first official threat that uh what's that uh, judgment day has for getting the gold so this is one huge step if judgment day can get the gold they can uh they're showing up to work every week so this would be a good t uh time for exchanging of the belts judgment day is a good um, a good representation of the belts these days, I think. Anyways, anyways, that wraps it up for another episode of Monday Night Raw. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of the NXT right after all this short break. The wrestling show, oh, 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 baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. It's the NXT air date January 10th, 
2023. This episode is the New Year's Evil Special and the Road to Vengeance Day. Let's go. Wellbo. Wellbo. Welcome back, listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and we're about to take a very cynical look back at the latest tapings of the NXT. It's uh, their very special event, New Year's Evil. Now, but before we dive into that show, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. First and foremost, the commentary crew. They are the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and some call them the narrators. Like myself, they are the team of Booker T and Vic Tippy Tippy Top Joseph. And then, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, it's Mackenzie Mitchell. Now, without any further cadoos, let's get on with the show. Now, the show starts off with their very own, uh, what's that, uh, Chase You, Andre Chase, um, pretty much setting up the whole show. What's happening? Who's going to be fighting? Brought to you by Chase You. Okay. But we seriously start off the match with a North American number one contenders match. Number one's contenders match with the North American Championship Gold. And it's between Tony D'Angelo from the D'Angelo family. With him is a family member Channing Stax Lorenzo versus Dijak. Now, joining the commentary team is your North American champion, Wes Lee. Now, I gotta say something. It's, it was pretty intense, intense back there. It's uh, Vic Joseph, very, very excited to have uh, Wes Lee back there. Uh, couldn't be happier. However, it seems, oh my goodness, what is with Booker T? I love Booker T. He's a great guy. But when it comes down to uh, uh, favorites and everything, he's got no no faith in uh, Wes Lee at all. It's pretty, it was pretty, te- I don't know if he even likes him. Um it's weird. It is weird uh, what Booker T was putting out there. Like, he has no confidence in Wesley's ability. Thinking that, uh, don't look past uh, Dijak or Tony D'Angelo because both of them can beat you up. It's like, even though, what's a Vic Joseph asked, like, uh, Wesley, uh, who are you looking forward to be, uh, fighting next? Wesley's pretty much, he doesn't matter, doesn't matter who gonna be, uh, who's going to be winning. The one that wants it the most, he doesn't care. Because he's a fighting champion. And uh, yeah, Booker T gets right into his face. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was a weird thing. It was a weird thing. Got to say, maybe that's why maybe a lot of wrestlers don't care for Booker T. Maybe, maybe because he got he's got a lot of heat between like Iva, um, Ava Rain and uh, Grayson Waller. Anyways, moving on to sh- the show because we start off with the uh, Daniel families, Tony Daniel Dijak, like I say. And what hap- What's happening in this match? I'd say this match is more or less about the storyline rather than the wrestling match. And the storyline is really about uh, Tony D'Angelo and his relationship with Channing Stax Lorenzo rather than a one-on-one match moving on to becoming um, number one contender to the uh, North American Championship Gold. So this match was uh, about 10 minutes in length. Very, very respectable. The match was uh, very evenly matched. Um, Tony D'Angelo, Dijak, uh, they're about the same weight, but Dijak's got the extra height. D'Angelo's got the extra thickness. Now, the story unfolds in the match where the fight goes outside of the ring. Dijak grabs uh, Tony D'Angelo and attempts to use him as a human uh, projectile, throwing, trying to throw him into the uh, barricades that separate the uh, barricade, the glass barricade, 
from the fans. So yeah, there's a the second barricade. They usually have a glass barricade or plexiglass barricade, and they have a, a foam barricade in front of it. So anyways, Dijak goes to throw Tony D'Angelo right into the uh, barricades, and it's Channing Stacks D'Angelo jumping into the way, sacrificing himself to take the hit. Like I say, I'm 100% sure that the foam barricade would uh, would have absorbed the hit 100%, regardless of what Stax Lorenzo did or not. But this is forwarding the story. And what happens next? Why? Tony D'Angelo turns his anger to uh, Dijak, smashing him down, eventually going into the ring, coming back out the ring, and then Dijak smashing the hell out of uh, Tony D'Angelo again. Now, once again, I gotta say, uh, in this match, when they're outside the ring, the referee just does not care to do the ten count. And when it doesn't, when it doesn't interest hit the match, the ten count never comes. You have like a half a minute to a minute of them fighting outside, and the referee will not hit ten seconds. Ridiculous. Okay, so we have ourselves. Tony Janet goes out the ring again. He gets his ass throttled by uh, Dijak, and then. He gets thrown into the uh, ring post and then thrown into the commentator table. Dijak takes uh, stacks and then it beats him up there, choke slams him onto the ring apron, puts him onto the ring apron, and then goes to get some handcuffs with very long handcuffs, I gotta say. Handcuffs uh, stacks to the second, um, what's that, uh, turnbuckle. Mm hmm, it's true. And then the match continues in the ring. Dijak. Tony D'Angelo, they fight back and forth. They go at it. Dijak eventually gets a choke slam under Tony D'Angelo. Gets him down there. Slam-o! Tony uh, kicks out. Kicks out. He just barely kicks out, though. And he goes to the... He gets uh, he gets some inspiration from uh, Channing Stax Lorenzo. He cheers him on. And Stax gets Tony to the corner. Stax climbs into the ring. Even though he's, he's handcuffed to the corner there. It's a very long chain, though. But he gets to the ring there. He pleads to Tony, like, hey, let me in, boss. Uh, boss, boss. Uh, I, I got to do this for you. I'm a loyal guy, boss. So there's the, the storyline. Oh, my gosh. Is uh, Stax wants to sacrifice himself again. But this time, Tony D'Angelo is like, no, I'm not your boss. I'm your family. Stax. And he pushes him out of the side, pushes him away. And right in time, too, because uh, Dijak follows up with a giant pump kick to the face. Pushing D'Angelo down to the ground. Stax, too emotionally distraught to get up and push him off. With a one, two, three, it's over! Dijak with a big victory. Next up, number one contenders to Wesley. So that's going to be interesting. I can honestly believe, I honestly believe Wesley will beat Dijak to retain his title. So yeah, but it's all about Tony D'Angelo and uh, Channing Lorenzo. You know, building building a stronger bond, building that bridge, stronger as, as ever. Now we go backstage with the Mackenzie Mitchell and uh, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. And basically, they're both entering into the Battle Royal. They want to win the Battle Royal so they can, uh, so they can make Roxanne Perez pay for what they did, what she did to toxic attraction but she really did nothing it's WWE and there's poor decision making anyways it comes down to this Mackenzie Mitchell's like what if you both 
or the last women standing in the battle royal. What are you going to do then? And they're quite confident saying, well, quite frankly, it's over. They're going to they're going to announce both of us a winner of the match. Period. Full stop. Okay, with that, we go into the ring with a tag team match, a so-supposed tag team match that's been building up for months and months. This tag team match is supposed to be Diamond Mines, Brutus Creed, Julius Creed versus In The Shears, Veer and Sangha. Now the whole thing is like, we want to, we want to, <coughs> they want to prove, Veer and Sangha want to prove that they're the best tag team in wrestling. And to do that, they got to beat Diamond Mine. And they've been working that since Halloween Havoc. It's been a long time. And it's all like, we gotta get you guys healthy so we can, we have to, we wanna fight a healthy team. We can prove ourselves. So it's all about proving themselves being the best team. We want to, we want the healthiest team. It's a long time. And I figured, yeah, they've been pushing this too long. I expect too much with this match. And they truly would never be able to pull through with the expectations that they built. So it became like this Diamond Mine came to the ring there, ready for a fight. And in the Shears' turn to go to the ring, but only Sangha shows up. Only Sangha. Sangha's like, uh, we're not here, but it will be a handicap match. Yeah, that's right. Sangha, he, uh, it's so ridiculous. What does this prove? What does it prove? But only proves one thing now. I figured this. Veer's not there, so, wow, who's going to be there instead? I'm thinking Shanky. Will Shanky get stanky on NXT? No, it's not. It's uh, Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal. That's right. He's got no business in the Raw or SmackDown. Because if he goes down there, he's, he's, he's going to do nothing down there. At least here, he's got a chance to uh, work with his teammates, work with the, the, the uh, other wrestlers. Maybe, maybe he can make some waves down there. Or maybe not. But Jinder Mahal comes in there and he attacks both the... Uh, you know, uh, Brutus Creed, Julius Creed, and then it's a, uh, you know, it's a beatdown. Brutus Creed gets uh, taken out the ring there, and then uh, he gets uh, choke slammed. He gets slammed down onto the steel steps inside the ring. And Julius Creed gets, uh, um, you know, the collapsed. So yeah. A lot of hurt feelings, no matches though. Okay, next up we go backstage. It is uh, pretty deadly. You know, uh, you know, getting dressed and stuff like that, getting ready for their match. And uh, the New Day greets them back there and they tell them the news, what happened. It's like, what's going on? You guys should gotta be in a ring right now. It's like, what? We don't have to be there now. It's like, no. They said the Diamond Mine match did not happen. So that's ridiculous. So you guys gotta go to the ring now. Your match is now. So the match was set up last week. Um, pretty deadly. Won a, their um, title retag, title rematch against New Day. But uh, in order to do that, they decided to make a uh, like a, a tournament match. You know, so New Day or should I say, um, Pretty Deadly has a fight. There, they picked out three top teams. They said they picked out three top teams. And they beat these three top teams. They get their uh, rematch. So now it starts. Pretty Deadly in the ring, they're setting up the whole situation for the crowd. And they bring out their first team for this contest, for this big match. And you wouldn't believe this, but out come the Rockers! Oh yeah, rocking it out! You know, it was uh, Flying Brian Williams and Slammin' Jammin' Jimmy. 
it was uh, quite a spectacle. Now, in the match here, when the match finally started, it was, I believe, um, Elton Prince charging. I believe flying and Sam slamming, gets slammed, he gets knocked off. I'm probably not sure which one was which. But anyways, uh, ended up with uh, either one flying or slamming, getting uh, in a tangent move, the tangent lung blower. And then after that, it was a uh, spilt milk. It was all over for the rockers. But now here's the thing. If it went pretty deadly's way, they're probably going to fight two more set of jobbers, two teams of Orlando, Florida, trying to get a start, trying to get a foot in the door, you know, trying to get some experience in the ring. They could have got that today, but no, pretty deadly. We're not going to do that because uh, the New Day come out there. They're really upset over the whole thing. You said this is a setup. Whoa, 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 whoa. And basically they, uh, like, I'm not sure what's going on with the NXT, but apparently anybody can wrestle anybody at any time. So instead of uh, the scheduled matches up, um, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods set up a new match and pretty deadly. Elton Prince, Kit Wilson's next opponents. They are the team of Idris Enofe and Malik Blade, formerly known as Sweater Vest Blade. And this was like under eight minutes, the match. You know, it was uh, pretty fun. It was pretty good. Idris Enofe and Malik Blade come, in as a, come into the ring like a house of fire, house on fire trying to beat up both pretty deadly at once now this before the bells you know they actually got one massive tangent move it's a the, after the uh, big attack pretty deadly escaped to the outside of the ring and it's uh, Malik Blade and Idris with a massive double uh, tope suicida over the top rope squashing to pretty deadly and then the match eventually starts off and it's uh, showed one thing um, Malik Blade my 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 you know, he may not have the sweater vest, but he did this massive frog splash that it actually made, uh, I don't know, uh, Angel or Montez Ford look uh, like a child's play. It was huge. Oh, what a massive, like uh, three-fourths away across the ring. He just got the massive flash. Anyways, it was incredible athleticism by a Malik Blade. Now, Malik Blade and... Uh, What's that? Idris Nofe eventually got uh, Elton Prince into a tangent move. They get him to a finishing move and they try to finish him off. But it is Kit Wilson gets in the ring there, breaks up the pin. And uh, Malik Blade takes out Kit Wilson from the ring, eliminates him from the ring. But inside the ring, we got ourselves a situation. But I'm not sure what uh, um, Malik Blade did. We he basically just dove and just took out Kit Wilson. So you don't see what happened. He might probably knocked himself out when he landed on the ground. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But inside the ring, it was uh, Elton Prince and uh, Idris Enofe. Now Idris snaps on a uh, small package onto Elton Prince. Gets him down there. One, two, and that's where Kit Wilson comes in hand and pushes the whole stack to one side. Referee sees nothing. He sees nothing. And then, after that, it's uh, Elton Prince now on top of Etrius and Ofe. And it's over. One, two, and three. Um, pretty deadly moving on to their next match. And the next match, who is it going to be? Why? It's uh, 
the New Day come out there and inter- inter- introduce their next challengers. And they are the team of them good old boys. And when I say them good old boys, I mean uh, Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. But the music hit, but there ain't nobody coming out. And we find out why they've been lying down on a job backstage, taking naps on the floor. Apparently, the story goes, um, they've been beaten up by the returning Gallus boys. Oh my goodness. And uh, Gallus is a team of three, but this time it's just uh, two people. It is uh, brother Mark Coffey and tag team partner Wolfgang in this match. No Joe Coffey in sight. Dang! Dang! He's not annoying or anything. So this match here was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Um, Wolfgang and Mark Coffey come and charge the ring. They just charge uh, pretty deadly, pretty good. They bull rush them. They beat them up really good. This match was a minute and 13 seconds. Just barely over a minute. It turns out... Um, why, uh, Gallus just overwhelmed uh, Pretty Deadly really quickly, separating the two, getting Kit Wilson into a tangent move, and the tangent move is this. Um, Wolfgang grabs uh, Kit Wilson into a, a power slam position. Mark Coffey comes up with the Inzigiri. Now, Mark Coffey's Inzigiri is one of the best in the business, listener. It's true. This is a five-star Inzigiri knocks the living hell out of uh, Kit Wilson, and then the power slam later, and then the three count later, it's over! Gallus coming back, winning their first match back. And uh, for a short match, they had, I gotta say, that Inzigiri, it is textbook, beautiful. Other than that, it was, a, it was the match was just garbage. Now, we go backstage. We got ourselves Julius Creed, and he's, uh, I guess he's coming out of medical. I'm not sure where he's going from, coming in out of, but uh, he's basically, he wants some revenge on Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal, he wants a match up there, and uh, Ivy Niles, like, uh, she's really upset over decisions he's been making these days, but she can't dwell on it. She's got a 20-woman battle royal to think about. Now, with that said, we go into the ring here, and we got ourselves a uh, the returning, the new look, of Tiffany Stratton of 2023. Just slight uh, visual augmentations, but you know what? She has a message for the rest of women in the locker room. She's putting them all on notice because she is, uh, she's back. And she's not only back, but she's the center of the universe. But she's not, she will not be competing in the, uh, the 20 women battle royal. There's very few women that won't be competing in the battle royal and she's won. I don't think there's like a couple others, but regardless. Moving on, we got ourselves our next match. It's this uh, worrying, worrying because this next match is uh, the NXT World Championship title match and they stuck it smack dab in the middle. That's right. The NXT Championship match is a mid-card match. I'm thinking, wow, this should this should be either an opening match or a closing match. But if it's a mid-card, you know it's not going to be good. You know you're probably going to be disappointed. And if you are if you think you're going to get disappointed, you're not going to be disappointed. And this is the thing. Now, during the match, Braun Breaker is a phenom. He's an amazing athlete. He's gigantic. He's got some skills that pays the bills. He's a luchador. He's a 
heavyweight luchador, basically. He can high fly with the best of them. Grayson Waller, he's a great talent, great, great personality. And the match itself was very even. The wrestling was great. Back and forth was really good. Really good. But the thing that made this match uh, very iffy was there was like, it, it was a gimmicky match. It was gimmicky. You know, they fell into the gimmick situation. Where a while ago, um, I believe it was uh, JD uh, McDonough or, uh, you know, Jordan Devlin at the time, throwing, uh, I believe, uh, Braun Breaker into the ropes and breaking it, you know, just a knocking off thing. Or was it, no, it wasn't JD, it was uh, Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes. But this time it's uh, Grayson Waller. He chucks Braun Breaker, just like last time, into the corner. The corner doesn't buckle. Buckles a little bit, but doesn't break. And then just like last time, he has to do it again. He throws him, you know, um, shoulder tackles him into the uh, center ring buckle. And this time it comes off its bearings and bada boom, it's done. Mm -hmm. Now, the referees, the officials eventually came in. They uh, temporarily put the second rope back in place. Just temporarily because, uh, you know, this is a gimmick match. It's ridiculous. So they carry on. They fight back and forth. Braun Breaker gets on top of things. Grayson Waller uh, counters things. He, you know, Grayson Waller gets uh, Braun Breaker out to the uh, um, ropes. Drops outside, catching Braun Breaker's neck on the ropes. Braun Breaker falls backwards. Grayson Waller is outside the ring and setting up for his patented roll into the ring stunner. Now, Grayson runs to the ring, rolls into the ring, jumps up, but however, does not go over his stunner. He catches Braun Breaker in the face with a flying knee. Braun Breaker goes down. And Grayson Waller decides to go for his, uh, um, his, his springboard. Uh, he's off the second rope. Uh, he usually does off top rope. I believe it's usually springboard. He, with the uh, between the legs, um, between the leg, elbow drop. You know, a beautiful elbow drop. But this time, Grayson Waller goes to the second rope, the iffy rope. And you can see it's, it's, it's wobbly and wonky. It's looking really nasty and wobbly. So Grayson Waller uh, shimmies across there. And then the rope breaks. Poink! And then Grayson Waller flops outside the ring and lands hard outside the ring. You know, um, and the referee sees this happening and starts counting. And this count was like uh, so fast. I've never seen such a lightning count in my entire life. Well, I have, but uh, today, oh my goodness, this was ridiculous. So the referee made sure he got to that 10 count at, uh, in five seconds. It was pretty quick. And he charged, he rewards the uh, match to Braun Breaker. 12 minutes and 20 seconds in the match. It is over by count out. The crowd does not go wild. Braun Breaker does not go wild. Yeah, it was just like a, a fizzle. It was just like, really? Well, it happened. It happened. Maybe, yeah. So what's going to happen now? We'll find out later. So now we go backstage with making with Mackenzie Mitchell with Roxanne Perez and uh, her thoughts on who she'd like to see win the uh, twenty women battle royal. And right off the bat, she says, uh, "I would like Cora J to win." Kidding! <laughs> what a joke! But anyways, Indy Hartwell and uh, Alba Fire are two favorites that she wouldn't mind seeing win the whole thing. Regardless, we go backstage with uh, Apollo Cruz and Axiom. Now, Apollo Crews, I always wonder, what is what is Apollo Crews' uh, um, you know, end game? What is motivation? What is his motivations going on into NXT? 
At first, it was like uh, he wanted to reinvent himself and become the world champion. That clearly did not happen. So his, his options are um, be a push guy, a de jobber, just like he did in the main roster, you know, or perhaps join a tag team. And this he did because uh, it is Axiom going out there and thanking um, Apollo Crews for the assist, the hand. So then uh, Axiom wasn't, you know, beaten up by Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. So I guess they've got a, I guess, common enemy, Apollo Crews and... Uh, What's that? Uh, Axiom versus uh, Trick Williams and uh, Carmelo Hayes. So that should be interesting. Next up, we got ourselves a matchup that's been set up uh, a couple of weeks ago. Hank Walker versus uh, Charlie Dempsey. Now, Hank Walker been training with uh, Drew Gulak for a little bit now. You know, I figured... Hank Walker, he's been training as a wrestler now, so shouldn't he get proper gear? No, Hank Walker still looks like a bum from the streets, you know? It's ridiculous. I mean, come on, come on. You're, are you are you a wrestler now? I mean, usually when you when you become a wrestler, when you get, yeah, I'm signed, first thing you think about is your gear. Unless, of course, this schlub look is his gear, which is absurd. So now, has Hank Walker learned anything from uh, Drew Gulak? That's a big question. Now, Charlie Dempsey did put Hank Walker through the ringer. Through the ringer! And try to pull him into a pretzel, his finishing move, the uh, pretzel lock. The pretzel lock. I call it that, because he basically tries to uh, make you uh, touch your head to your foot. Backward style, baby! Now, Hank Walker fought, and he's got some lot of motivation by Drew Gulak. Hank Walker actually turned around for a little bit. Put on the armbar. Yar! Yarn bar, yar. Really try to crank on it. Um, what? But it is Charlie Dempsey. And Charlie Dempsey eventually turned it around, got out of it, and put him back in. Eventually got uh, Hank Walker into the pretzel lock again. Hank Walker tried, tried to crawl to the ropes to get to Drew Gulak, to get some safety to the ropes. But Charlie Dempsey rolls him back into the ring continues with the pretzel lock and makes Hank tap out. <laughs> and like I say, like I say, I say now, four and a half minutes, Hank Walker loses to the great Charlie Dempsey. Okay, next up, we go backstage with uh, um, Saul Ruka and uh, Alba Fire. Now, they were supposed to have a match the other week. Didn't happen. But uh, this time it's uh, Abba Fire. She's like, she's really insistent on fighting Sol Ruka. So I was like, what, what's going on here? Um, yeah, it sucks that we didn't fight, but that's okay, right? I mean, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. But yeah, it's like, do you want the match or not? Do you want the match or not? I'm in a lot of stress these days. A lot of stress. So yeah, so this, she says, well, I'll see you later. And next week as well. As well. So that's that. So our next match, it is uh, Jinder Mahal versus uh, Julius Creed. Now it was a, this is a really good match. It was it was a very evenly matched. Um, some good back and forth happened in this match in this uh, ten minute match. Now the end sequence was this. Um, it was uh, 
Julius Creed putting down Jinder Mahal. You know, to finish him off, he's going to go top rope for a finishing move, but it's uh, Veer Mahal climbs to the top rope, climbs to the apron, distracts Julius Creed for just the right amount of time. Julius Creed then resets his focus onto Jinder Mahal, completes a 450 splash. Pretty insane. One of the highest uh, complicated moves in wrestling in, in, in general. This, uh, the 450 splash, yeah. You got to be skilled wrestler to do that. That is no joke. It can go wrong very easily. Anyways, Judas Creed tries that on Jinder Mahal. He moves out of the way. Jinder Mahal gets up. Judas Creed gets up. Judas Creed turns around to get a, a, the big um, super kick to the face. And then the Colossus. The Colossus takes down Judas Creed and just like that. Like I say, about 10 minutes. It's over. Over. Yeah. So backstage, we got ourselves uh Brooks Jensen and Ken, and uh, with Canna James, and they're with uh, Fallon Henley and Josh Briggs. So they're wondering what happened and why why the whole thing happened. Anyways, because they're attacked by Galas Galas. But uh, yeah, it's all about Canna James and Brooks Jensen. I believe sooner or later they're gonna break apart and they're gonna go their separate ways and become the next a power couple. or as power couple as they can get. Okay, with that, we go to our main event match. It is a 20-woman battle royal. Introduced first was Cora Jade, and uh, introduced last was Zoe Stark, but it's Cora Jade, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, Ivy Nile, Tatum Paxley, Amari Miller, Danny Palmer, uh, Valentina Ferroze, uh, Kiana James, Electra Lopez, Alash Legend, Sol Ruka, Wendy Chu, Indy Hartwell, Fallon Henley, Nikita Lyons, um, what's that? Uh, Lyra Valkyria, Thea Hale, Zoe Starks. It's in this match. Um, I might be missing somebody, but I don't think so. Anyways, in order of removal of the ring, we got ourselves first kicked out was Core Jade. Number two, Tatum Paxley. Third, kicked out Amari Miller. Fourth is Valentina Faroze. Number five, Lash Legend out. Six, Kiana James, out quick. Number seven, Danny Palmer. Number eight, Fallon Henley. Ninth out is Thea Hale, unfortunate. Number 10, Ivy Nile, out. She did a silly move. She threw herself out and she got pushed out. It's ridiculous. 16, or number 10, or 11, I should say. It's Indy Hartwell. Number 12 was uh, Electra Lopez, out soon after. And then Wendy Chu, after that, at number 13. 14 was uh, Nikita Lyons. So now it was uh, Zoe Stark. Soon after that, she gets kicked out as well. Now, here's the thing. We got ourselves the top four now. Sol Ruka, Alba Fire, and Gigi Dolan, and JC Jane. What's going to happen? Why, it ends up... Uh, um... Alba, but it's, uh, no, it's, uh, uh, Val, uh, Lyra Valkyra, she kicks out, what's that, uh, Alba Fire, and then coming back to the ring area for the second time, it's Cora Jade comes in there, she distracts some, uh, um, Lyra Valkyria, and then a double kick, Gigi Joel and JC Jane both eliminate 
Lyra Valkyria. So now it is a fact that we got ourselves toxic attraction in the ring. No winners are called. Now it's between the two. What's going to happen between the two? Strife. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, JC Jane decides, he, he says, that's it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Gigi Dolan's like, no. JC Jane comes back in the ring and she kicks Gigi in the chest. She knocks her down. Oh my God, the deception. Oh, and then they end up fighting. Who's going to go out? And they got to a point where they, uh, they're both fighting outside the ring on the uh, outside of the um, ropes, but uh, fighting on the ropes, on the turnbuckles. So they're fighting each other, punching each other. They're like wobbling back and forth. To what conclusion? Who's going to fall off first? Why? Nobody falls off first because they fall off at the same time. This is pretty time too, I got to say. They both, with a final punch each, and they both drop off at the same time. And literally, they looked at every angle and their feet, quite literally, maybe a hundredths of a second difference, maybe hundredths of a second. But they land at the same time, pretty much to the normal eye. And in the ring, just like predicted by JC Jane and Gigi Dolan, it was a mutual a victory anyways. So this is what's gonna happen. At Vengeance Day, it will be a triple threat match for the women's championship gold. So Roxanne Perez versus JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. So that's going to be interesting. So uh, Roxanne's most likely going to uh, regain her championship, retain her championship. But if she doesn't, this could be a huge uh, 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 storyline thing, story development between uh, what's left of Toxic Attraction. That ends it for the uh, the matches of tonight's, uh, what's that, uh, New Year's Evil. But at the end of the day, we got ourselves a little get-together with the, uh, I guess, the person who runs the face, the, uh, I guess, the authority figure, Shawn Michaels, while he's setting up another match. Setting up another match. Uh, it's uh, Braun Breaker versus, that's right, uh, Grayson Waller, part two. And he wants a proper finishing this match. So, but next week, next week, it's going to be quite the thing. A tag team match for the ages. Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams versus Axiom and Apollo Crews. A big one, another tag team match. Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen versus the Gallus Boys. Uh, Wolfgang and Mark Coffey. And, well, that's next week, the highlighted match. But that does, however, wrap it up for another episode of uh, NXT for this week. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of SmackDown right after this short break. Wrestling show, baby. It's time for... The wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live uh, from Memphis, Tennessee. It's Friday Night Smackdown, air date January 6th, 2023. This episode is The Road to uh, the Royal Rumble. Let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. 
Welcome back, listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and this is the Wrestling Show's very cynical look review uh, slash a look back at the latest episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But before we get into the show, a quick shout out to the non-competitors, the glue that holds the building together. Now representing the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce getting all the pre-match interviews and backstage scoops. We got ourselves uh, Kayla Braxton, of course, and of course. Least we forget the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and some might even call them the narrators of the show, the narrators of the show. They're the team of one of the best. It's Wade Barrett, and uh, he's backing him up. He's a longtime veteran of uh, 25 years, and Mr. Annoying, as he's called also, it's uh, Michael Cole. And of course, without any further cadoos, let's get on with the show. Now, here we go. This show starts off uh, like Monday Night Raw started off uh, with the takeover. Apparently, uh, the bloodline, uh, even though the bloodline holds uh, the three most important belts in the uh, WWE, they still have to, uh, I don't know, make a statement So for some reason. So anyways, making a statement, breaking into the front area, it's uh, almost all the bloodline. It's uh, Sami Zayn, Solo Sokoa, Jimmy Uso, and Jey Uso. And then the music hits. Roman Reigns music. My goodness. Now, unlike Raw, Roman Reigns, this is his second week in a row showing up to SmackDown, being the uh, champion of SmackDown, of course. So his music hits. And taking his time, it's about four minutes and 13 seconds. He starts to talk. Not much, though, because he ends up giving the microphone to uh, Sami Zayn. Does everybody want to hear what Sami Zayn's got to say? You know? Because, uh... Now, he gets a microphone, Sami Zayn. And he talks about the, about the bloodline, pumping up the bloodline. And uh, this year, <clears throat> because uh, Monday Night Raw, first episode of the year, um, it was uh, Sami Zayn and Usos um, winning, and, uh, of course... Uh, Souls Koa winning their matches on Raw. And uh, basically, there's he saying that the bloodline is sending a message this year. But however, Roman Reigns, uh, well, he got the mic one. He was very upset over the last year because, uh, you know, their match against John Cena and Kevin Owens didn't go so well. And he blames, why? <clears throat> Roman Reigns blames Sami Zayn. Roman Reigns blames Sami Zayn for the loss. Because Sami Zayn, you don't call your shot and don't miss. You know? You don't call your shot and miss. Because, uh... But anyways, Roman Reigns is right pissed with Sami Zayn. Who do you think you are? You think you're the tribal chief, whatnot? Now, here's the thing. Roman Reigns was right about to tear, like, not just uh, a new a-hole, literally, or physically, too. He's going to tear him apart. But this is where it gets interesting because coming to Sammy's aid, it's Kevin Owens. That's right. Kevin Owens comes in there, not attacking anybody, but uh, verbally talking down to uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, he comes in and talks about uh, how Roman Reigns' uh, anger is very mis- uh, misdirected. It shouldn't be directed at Sami Zayn. It should be directed at Kevin Owens. So... Obviously, uh, Kevin Owens suggests that, you know what, Roman Reigns, you do not have a Sami Zayn problem. You have a Kevin Owens problem, and quite frankly, you can get rid of that problem at the Royal Rumble. Because at the Royal Rumble, uh, yeah, 
put your title on the, on the line. So yeah, that's accepted. Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Royal Rumble. That should be an interesting match. Uh, it would be fun to see Kevin Owens as the champion once again. But we'll soon find out. Next up, we got ourselves our first match. It's uh, representing the New Day. It's Kofi Kingston versus Legado del Fantasma Santos Escobar. Uh, with the Santos Escobar, has got so much potential. He's from NXT coming up here. It's, he's doing some amazing stuff. Now, with Kofi Kingston's New Days, uh, Xavier Woods, and with Legado del Fantasma, it's uh, Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wilde, and Zalina Vega. Now, I got to say this. They, this match started backstage. Talk about the old uh, Royal Rumble and, well, Santos Escobar looks forward because they're both in the uh, Royal Rumble match. Looks forward to toss out Kofi Kingston. Now, this match was a lot of fun. Really good match. A lot of fun in this match. Uh, they both try to uh, simulate the Royal Rumble by trying to throw each other out the ring. You know, Kofi Kingston was more successful throwing uh, Santos out the ring. But that, of course, throwing someone out the ring in this match doesn't really matter. Just an ego thing, really. It's just an ego thing, really. No, Kofi Kingston, he was he was doing it. It was a really good match. It was a really fun match. Kofi Kingston hits the old, uh, what's that, the SOS on uh, SOS. Yeah, that's uh, basically a modified uh, Russian leg sweep. Very glorified Russian leg sweep, I got to say. I must say. <laughs> yuck, yuck, yuck. Now, Kofi, well, you got to appreciate uh, a wrestler bringing in the old uh, sneakers into the ring. A lot of people bring sneakers into the ring, but, uh, wow. Anyways, sneakers in the ring. But Kofi Kingston brings the match to uh, uh, Santos Escobar. Now, with the SOS, he brings it also with the uh, boom drop, the double leg drop, but it, it's supposed to be effective. Now, the end sequence of the match goes like this. Um, Kofi Kingston, after the boom drop, he, the boom drop, he sets up for his, uh, you know, uh, Trouble in Paradise, I assume. And he sets up, of course, right where, uh, you know, uh, Joaquin Wilde stands. And so he stands by him. And then uh, Del Toro, Cruz Del Toro, jumps on a ring apron. And then the referee's like, what you doing there? I'm going to go over to you and give you all my detention. And he does. Kofi King's like, what's going on there? And then while that's happening, it's uh, Joaquin Wilde holds on dearly to uh, Kofi King's leg. So he can't move at all. Referee doesn't see any of this. Now, this is the big finish, of course. Uh, Kofi King, uh, now, uh, what's that? Joaquin Wilde is grabbing onto the leg of uh, Kofi pretty wildly. Xavier Woods tries to interfere, like intervene, like, hey, what's going on there? But, you know, Zelina Vega stops him, but it doesn't matter because Kofi kicks off Joaquin Wilde anyways. And then in the ring, Kofi and uh, turns around to find uh, being face first with uh, a drop kick to the face, Inziguri, drop kick, whatever it was. Kofi Kingston was dropped pretty bad. After that, it is uh, the Phantom Driver. That's right. It's like a modified Michinoku driver, the Phantom driver. Otherwise, I would say they're pretty much the same thing. The Phantom driver to uh, Kofi Kingston. The match ends like a roughly a seven minutes. It was a fun match. Kofi Kingston loses. However, Kofi Kingston is still one half of the NXT Tag Team Champions, baby. Until, of course, Pretty Deadly gets them back. Will they get it back? We'll find out on NXT one of these days.
So now we go backstage. Um, it seems Sami Zayn really, really needs to talk to Paul. Ha needs to talk to Roman Reigns. You know, but Paul Heyman's back there. He's stopping him. He's saying it's not a good idea that you go back there right now. And while he's talking, of course, the Usos walk by, giving uh, Paul Heyman the old, uh, you know, the Usos, uh, you know, high fives and you know, handshakes and whatnots. So basically, it's this. That's when uh, Paul Heyman brought up the Shmooley reference, calling Sami Zayn a Shmooley. I'm thinking, oh, Shmooley. Did he say Shmooley? Uh, someone who exhibits uh, illegitimate behavior. Someone who makes questionable calls or screws over a people is a, um, a Shmooley, apparently. So here we go. Moving on. We go to... Uh, um, Kayla Braxton with LA Knight and they talked about now this is hilarious now this is not a uh, promotional match with uh, that's uh, hyping a product this is called the the Mountain Dew Mountain Dew um, pitch black match so I'm thinking this is actually going to be a drink going to be served over at the uh, um, Royal Rumble the new Mountain Dew pitch black um, drink so it's so ridiculous wow anyways this match has got to be a sellout match in more than one way, y'all. <laughs> right, listener? High five. Okay. So, the Mountain Dew high five, high, uh, the Mountain Dew pitch black match versus Bray Wyatt and, uh, well, what, this is the thing? LA Knight says, uh, lights go on, his lights go out. So, I'm not sure what that means with the pitch black match. But anyways, <clears throat> LA Knight very, very confident in himself and his abilities to win against, uh, um, what's up, Bray Wyatt. So now here we go. We go to our next match. This is a mixed tag match. A mixed tag match. Now, uh, I think last time they had a mixed uh, anything was, uh, I believe it was, uh, it's a Rhea Ripley versus Tozawa in an actual mixed match. And a man versus woman, and uh, they literally uh, put hands on each other, legitimate. So I thought, is that a change? Is that something going to be a new wave of the future of WWE? doesn't matter. You know, a mixed tag means guy versus girl as well. However, not the case. It's a match between Karrion Cross and his woman, Scarlett, versus uh, Madcap Moss still. I thought he was going to change his name from last week because it was uh, uh, Emma using his other name, you know, uh, Madcaps Moss, you know. Um, anyways, regardless, what's going to happen in this match? I know one thing for sure. With any tag team matches in the WWE, especially SmackDown and Raw, tag ropes just don't matter. They don't matter. And this match was just that. The beginning was, uh, of course, uh, Karrion Cross versus Madcap taking fighting each other. And eventually, uh, Karrion Cross gets a tag in from uh, Scarlet. In some why some reason, uh, Madcap decides to tag in Emma. Not important. He didn't have to do that, but he did. And both times, the girls not even bothering holding the tag ropes because the tag ropes, they're not important. The ref does not care if you're holding the rope or not. It's ridiculous. This day was a huge, huge failure for tag ropes. So in this match was hilarious. Now Scarlet, of course, this is her fast, her first match that I know of. In the WWE, maybe she might have done uh, something in the, you know, uh, in the training things, but uh, live, I think this is her first official match. 
Now I can imagine why she's put into a tag team match because she has other people to carry the load. Now being as it couldn't now because last week it was Scarlett and Emma getting into it over Madcap Moss, you know, and uh, being a uh, um, I guess besmirched by uh, Scarlett. I don't know. So, anyways, this match here's a move here. Scarlett does a uh, pump handle fallaway slam to Emma. Now she does a, a fall away and she basically lands Emma on top of her face. It was hilarious. It's like, that must hurt. That must hurt the face. Um, and then, uh, what's that? Uh, Scarlet bridged out of it, but it was pretty funny. A great camera angle. You don't really see your face getting crushed too badly. So basically here's this. Emma gets a shining wizard onto uh, Emma. Emma gets Shining Wizard on Scarlet, goes for a pin attempt, and Karen Cross. Now, this is the final sequence here, listener. Karen Cross comes in the ring and pulls off Emma from his partner, Scarlet. Emma gets up and, with a big old slapper, and he slaps Karen Cross's face. Karen Cross is like, Oh, why you? I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to beat up a woman. So he backs up Emma to her corner. Madcap Moss tags himself in. You know, actually, he just slaps the back of Emma because he, there was no tag rope used. No tag ropes used at all this day. So he does a little bit of beat down on, uh, what's that, uh, Karen Cross. He hits the ropes. Where? Scarlet was outside the ropes and he hooks, uh, what's that, uh, Madcap's leg. This gets uh, Emma all incensed. She walks around to the ring there. She goes and confronts uh, a Scarlet. And in that huge confrontation, Scarlet grabs Emma and throws her face first into the ring post. That hurts pretty bad. And after that, she chucks her right over top of the uh, commentary table. I guess that does it for Emma for the rest of the match. It's true. Well, inside the ring there, it's Karen uh, Cross versus Madcap Moss, you know. And uh, eventually, Madcap uh, gets, uh, you know, gets caught with the old uh, cross hammer, and then the cross jacket is applied. Three minutes and 15 seconds, roughly, the match is over. Karen Cross with a big victory with the Scarlet. Madcap loses. Emma boohooses. Now, I guess this match was sending a message to Rey Mysterio. Um, Karen Cross is is printed a very beautiful a card, a playing card of Rey Mysterio. Very beautifully printed. Wow. This is, uh, I think, uh, I think this is out of Rey Mysterio's deck. I bet Rey Mysterio made a special set of playing cards with his likeness on it. And Karen uh, Cross like, hey, hey, that's pretty cool. I think I'll use that a calling card against you, right? You have like 52 of those bad boys. <laughs> Anyways, regardless. Karen Cross trying to send a message to uh, Rey Mysterio saying, I'm going to retire you. No, it's not going to be your son. It's going to be me. I think Dominic should be the one doing the job of uh, retiring Rey Mysterio. But hey, that's just to me. So now we go with that to a little segment um, away from the, uh, what's that? Uh, uh, the ring. Ray from the studio or Ray from the, uh, regardless. It is uh, best friends and best enemies. And right now tag team. Seamus and Drew McIntyre reminiscing over old times, you know, being best friend of me's and they're, you know, they were giving each other the big old chops, whether they have really very uh, physical, physical discussion about the past. And they're looking forward to having a match against the Usos for the tag team championship titles, which I believe they have zero chance of winning. 
Moving on. We have uh, Charlotte. Charlotte hitting the ring there. And she's talking about uh, um, payback is a uh, Ronda Rousey bitch. That's right. She didn't say Ronda Rousey is a bitch, but she's saying payback is a Ronda Rousey. Anyways, because everybody's calling bitch. Anyways, Charlotte has been out of the WWE for roughly eight months. And like usual, when their top star comes back from whatever the reason why they left in the first place, they get a massive, massive boost like Becky Lynch did one of the big things, I think. Uh, yeah. And now it's, uh, of course, Charlotte with her seconds of victory under a minute beat uh, Ronda Rousey. Anyways, she's back and she's very appreciative now of the crowd crowd because you know what they say absence makes the heart grow fonder you know you go away a heel you take the time off you come back and you're the face baby so sheer motto is uh passion consistency and dedication and that's uh that's a good model a good model to live by and one thing she says she's also she's also not never complacent she's always ready she's always has an eyes on the back of her head so she says well, she is the 14-time women's champion, which is very impressive, I must say. But while she's doing this, Sonia Deville, Sonia Deville. Now, I got to say one thing about Sonia: she's got a great body. She looks great in wrestling gear. Every time she goes to the wrestling ring, she looks 100. She looks great. But however, um, her wrestling abilities, she's she says she's a real fighter. She's been in the UFC. Or, you know, she's been in the mixed martial arts, but she's never really brought it anywhere when it came to the WWE, you know? She was a, uh, she was like uh, an official, a head official. And uh, she only thing she did was bring on like, yeah, she's a bitch. And this match here, my goodness. Oh my goodness. She's talking about, uh, what's that? Um... Sonia Deville talking to Charlotte about her latest victory over uh, uh, with Ronda Rousey. And it's funny. It's like, why does um, Sonia Deville have anything to say about any victories for any belts? Because Sonia has never won anything. She's not a champion. So I don't know why she's got this talk. She's talking a talk, but she's never walked it. <sighs> Anyways, she's all talk. And it's all, people are just seeing right through it. And uh, they're all roaring, uh, whoop that trick. Oh, whoop that trick. The crowd is roaring. And uh, this is great heat for Sonia. Although, you know, this is hurting her ego big time. Whoop that trick. And since you know Sonia's going to lose this match, whew, that's a hard pill to swallow, y'all. So this match is about to start. Um, what's that? Uh, Charlotte tries to put her... Uh, robe away while she's doing that she gets attacked from behind by Sonia Deville and talking about uh, you know uh, not being complacent <laughs> look who got attacked from behind <laughs> okay anyway Sonia Deville did try to get uh, take advantage of this match this very uh, this was about seven and a half minutes I was surprised this was so long this could have been easily you know a two minute match because uh, you know well this match did really want it did wonders for Charlotte for sure um, Charlotte can take a lot of beatings in that ring there and come back from anything, any, uh, any, uh, um, you know, when she's, she's down, she can come back from just about any beatings. 
And she did this. She showed a lot. Um, she gets in the beginning. Uh, she gets uh, attacked from uh, Sonia. And coming back with a giant boot to the face is Charlotte. Sonia did try to uh, come back again. You know, wearing her, the wear down as the, uh, uh, the side headlock. Mm, whatever. Anyways, Charlotte with some massive uh, choppas, uh, choppas. You know, the uh, the flare chops. Mm-hmm. So renowned for those. And those were pretty impressive. I'm pretty sure uh, Sonia's breasts totally bounced almost almost right into her ribcage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Charlotte Flair doing a wonderful job. Now, it came to one point where Charlotte's, uh, the, the flash move, the flashy move, you know, it's so ridiculous. It's a front handspring clothesline. Now, the front, the front handspring there, not really his handspring, it's like a forward cartwheel. So it's not much. And by the time she got into the clothesline position, it was pretty sad. It was pretty sad. It's like, what is that? Is it supposed to hurt at all? It's like uh, she just uh, did a front uh, cartwheel and then she pushed Sonia down to the ground. No clothesline. It was a push. So that with that, she goes to her pin. Sonia kicks out of the pin. She rolls out of the ring. This is where it gets funny. Because Charlotte, she goes towards uh, Sonia. She, Sonia's on the uh, ring apron, you know, and this is where this funny thing is because uh, literally I heard it. Charlotte called the audio, called an audio on this one. You know, calls an audible, I should say. And then Sonia grabs uh, Charlotte's head and I guess uh, rips it across the top rope. Sonia, well, Charlotte uh, takes a couple steps back. You think that's a goal. This is going to be where Sonia takes over, but no. Sonia gets in the ring there and uh, Charlotte spears the living hell out of her. Spear! Right turn half. Just a perfect, perfect edge style spear. Mm-hmm. After that, Sonia is put to the ground, of course, and then Charlotte applies the figure four, transforming it, transmorphing it into the figure eight. Transmorphification, listener. Figure eight, and then, of course, within seconds, it's uh, Sonyville tapping out like a cheap trick. I watch you do well. Okay. So now, yeah, that match was like seven and a half minutes. It was okay. It was fun. Was it a match of the night? I don't know. It was a lot of fun. Close to it. It was a good competitive match, considering you knew who was going to win. Uh, anyways, so now we have Lacey Evans... A little thing, uh, now they made sure that you, as a listener know or viewer knows, that uh, she's adopted a new finishing move, the Cobra Clutch from Sergeant Slaughter. Now I can see this, if uh, Lacey Evans adopts the Sergeant Slaughter gimmick, but for a woman, you know, a very strong militant uh, person, you know, taking control over in her own hands, you know, um... Yeah, she, this could work. This could work for Lacey Evans. But if she comes back and expecting other other people to do her work, like, uh, I don't know, like a uh, um, Eva Marie. Because I find uh, right now, Eva Marie and uh, Lacey Evans are like the same type of person. But who knows? Maybe Lacey Evans can actually be somebody who, uh, who can be taken seriously. Rather than the uh, <laughs> woman. You know, this is Ric Flair's baby, baby. Okay, regardless, let's move on. Now, this one here is a, uh, what's that? Uh, a qualifying match, a Royal Rumble qualifying match. 
No, this match was, uh, I'm not sure whether it, it was egged on by or, but before this match here, we had uh, a little situation with Top Dollar and a lot of superstars. Now, there was Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods totally making fun of that ridiculous Top Dollar's top, Tope Suicida. He just did a somersault over the top rope and landed on his, it was just ridiculous. He just flopped so, failed so hard. Not only did Xavier Woods and uh, Kofi Kingston chop him down to size, Madcap Moss was there chopping him down to size. You know, uh, a flop dollar? Come on now. If that doesn't piss you off. I don't know what does. But anyways, not just him, but um, Macy? Oh, really? And uh, Mansuari? <laughs> those two? And you don't get angry at those two guys? Really? And then Ricochet, like, yeah, if you want to... Um, it's hard to, it's like, yeah, he didn't really make fun of him. It's like, yeah, I make this look easy, you know? Oh, how dare you? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And top dollar just goes nutso on Ricochet. So anyways, there was some big match now. It's a Ricochet versus top dollar. Now I always figure that, uh, Ricochet, i wait for the Ricochet. One of the greatest to ever lace up a pair of boots. You know, like I say, he's, uh, when it comes to wrestling, he's a prince in that ring. And he's as fast as a puma. He's insane. The skills of Ricochet. Top dollar. He's a big guy. He's a big guy. He's getting big and skinny guy, but he's a big guy. And in the beginning of match, this match was two uh, minutes. The first minute and a half was uh, top dollar trying to bully around Ricochet. You know? Using ropes to his advantage. And then uh, he decides, like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm trying to get, uh, you know, Gets a little bit of cockiness in there because he gets ricocheted down. He gets all cocky in the ring there, you know. And uh, he goes up and he does this, you know, bounce against the ropes. I'm not sure what he was going to do, but Ricochet ends up kicking him in the face and getting him a, into a schoolboy roll-up, you know. And then after that, it's, it was a crazy move. It was a, uh, a standing, a sliced bread. Ricochet executed a standing sliced bread onto, uh, what's that, uh, Top Dollar. And after that slanting slice bread, we got ourselves a, a top rope maneuver, baby. It was a shooting star press from the heavens. It was a beautiful shooting star press. Now, uh, this shooting star might have hurt Ricochet because Top Dollar decided to roll on his side. Uh, roll on his side. So, uh, what's that? Ricochet would take his arm, his, his uh, side of his body. So, he would, uh, yeah, this would probably hurt Ricochet. So, this was a shitty move by Top Dollar. D. He's a top D. <laughs> top dollar? What's they say? What is top dollar? And we all say, not nada. Because after that, he hits pretty hard. One, two, three, top dollar lies down like a dead fish. He knows all about that, I hear. And then top dollar goes, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I respect that. <laughs> I got, you know, I got a lot of respect around here. So Top Dollar goes for the hug. You know, here, here, uh, give the high five there. You know, bring it in here, bro. And then Ashante the Adonis starts kicking him in the face. Top Dollar grabs him and gets him set up. And Top Dollar grabs him and says, uh, You think you're better than me? Yeah, and he doesn't just think he's better than you, Top Dollar. He just beat you in a one-on-one -on -one match. He proved to the world he's better than you. You know, you think I'm a joke? Well, no, he doesn't think you're a joke. The whole entire world thinks you're a joke, you know? That uh, flop, dollar, suicida? Come on now. Come on now. So, three on one. 
they are trying to beat up a ricochet and then uh it's uh braun Strowman. his music hits because now uh ricochet's uh friend they got braun Strowman and ricochet braun Strowman's uh ricochet earned braun Strowman's respect so braun Strowman runs in there to help out his good friend ricochet braun runs in the ring and then of course what are you gonna do if you're uh hit row you're gonna get the hell out of there because you got no chance, no chance in hell against uh, Ricochet and uh, Braun Strowman, or regardless, Braun Strowman is on. And Top Doll is like, "This is just get out of our business. This is none of your business." Really, really, it's none of your business. I'm sorry, but uh, you're dealing with Ricochet. You're in Ricochet's business. You're in Braun Strowman's business. You know, he didn't interfere with the match. No, no, no. So yeah, yeah. Moving on, we got ourselves uh, some uh, bloodline. That's right. The Usos getting ready for the match, taking uh, Solo Sokoa with him. Solo Sokoa. Then we have uh, Roman Reigns with Paul Heyman back there. Roman asks Paul Heyman for a favor. He wants uh, he wants to see, you know, Sami Zayn. And Paul Heyman calls in for the. Uh, um, the Shmooley calls Sammy the Shmooley, calls him in. Like I say, Shmooley. You know, a person that uh, makes very questionable calls, who screws, screws people over. So, yeah, he calls in Sammy Zane. Sammy comes to the rink, comes to the backstage area, and he, uh, he's, we talked about, he didn't want to take Roman Reigns Thunder. He doesn't want to be the tribal chief. He, uh, he wants to apologize for all his actions that he might have done. Well, Roman Reigns has something to say, too. He was very upset. In this, about his actions and offers his apology to Sami Zayn in that ring. And that's true. He says that Kevin Owens was right. His anger was misplaced. and uh, But he's got a problem to fix and uh, Paul Heyman suggests the problem to fix is that next week it will be a match between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Where Sami Zayn, what if Sami Zayn loses? What if he loses? I guess Sami Zayn will be no longer part of the bloodline. But I can say this for sure, this for sure, whoever is uh, writing the uh, Bloodline script there, whoever's doing the storyline for this, kudos, kudos, good fellow, kudos, great work. This is uh, going on for so long and still, still riveting and exciting. Can't wait what's going to happen next. This is good writing, period. Now moving on. The Usos are ready for a fight. So the Usos are heading to the ring there. Sami Zayn figured, hey, I should join the Usos. But uh, Roman Reigns uh, decided, hey, sit back here. Relax, relax. Watch the match back here with us. So the match was this. The Usos, Jey Uso, Jimmy Uso with uh, Soul Skull by them side. Versus Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Now I've got to say this. Uh... I think the their, their thing at the bar, they had a segment at the bar, they call themselves the uh, the Banging Brothers. Like, what? Why would you share that information? The Banging Brothers? What? No, it's the, the Banger Brothers? Oh, well. The Banger Brothers of uh, Seamus and Drew McIntyre. Now, I always say this. I've been saying this forever. The ropes in tag matches in the WWE, they just don't matter. And this match proved it completely. Because in this match, uh, Sheamus 
quite literally pulled off the tag rope. It was hilarious. So yeah, early on in the match, it was gone. You know, like uh, three minutes in, boink is gone. In like uh, the eleven minute match. So this match was hilarious. Also, uh, um, the referee in this match doesn't care about the uh, the beats of the baller or the, you know, um, Bodrin. The, he did. Uh, he usually does a ten beats of the Bodrin, the Bodran, but uh, this time he did a twenty beats of the Bodrin. He could have got on to fifty beats if he wanted to, because the ref just doesn't care to count. It's ridiculous. So besides that, it got really fun. This match, we got ourselves a, a double, a double. Uh, um, what's that? Uh, white noise synchronized white noise from each side of the corner they timed themselves and they did the white noise on the, the Usos that's right it was a good time in the ring there a good good time and it looked bad for the Usos like oh my god will they lose I'm, yeah there's no way the Usos going to lose to a, uh, a slap together team of uh, you know Sheamus and Drew McIntyre been around for many many years you can say decades in the wrestling business but as a tag team they're slapped together let's face it let's face it now after that uh, uh what tandem uh, uh what's that white noise drew mcintyre goes off the top go tope suicida throws himself over top of the ropes just incredible athleticism and squashes both usos on the ground now i believe after that he gets uh jay uso into the ring there and it's a big old claymore to uso's head and but however it was not a pin because uh you know Got broken up. Now, eventually, um, what's that? Drew McIntyre finds himself pulling an Otis, pulling a perfect Otis by running himself headfirst into the steel post. It was really tough. Uh, but this gave Sheamus a chance to tag back in. So he tags uh, um, Drew McIntyre on the buttocks, just below the buttocks. But he slaps back in there. Uh, so this is a, uh, remember, Drew McIntyre just pulled an Otis. So every time Otis does that, he's gone for minutes, maybe for the rest of the match. And this is true. Drew McIntyre has put himself out of the match. He knocked himself out unconscious. Now in the ring, well, for the time being, in the ring there, it's uh, the Usos. They get full advantage and they get the one end done on Sheamus. Thinking it's over. Jay Uso goes for the pin. Or Jimmy Uso goes for the pin. Drew McIntyre, not unconscious. Good thing. He comes out, he breaks the pin. He breaks it, gets in there right in time. Now, this is where uh, everything goes crazy. Drew McIntyre tries, takes out uh, some Jey Uso. Give him the old, uh, what's that, uh, the Glasgow kiss from the outside of the ring. Now, here's the thing. The referee turns his back on a whole uh, kit and caboodle outside the ring. It's crazy. The referee, Charles Robinson, just worst. He's seeing what's going on inside the ring with the Usos. Outside the ring, Solo Sokoa with the massive, uh, with Samoan Spike onto Drew McIntyre's face. Ooh, on the throat. Ooh, knocks him out. And then after that, he picks up uh, Drew McIntyre and with the Uranagi, picks him up in Uranagi onto the, uh, I guess, the divider there, the, you know, the barricade, onto the barricade uh, that divides the, uh, the ring area from the, uh, the, the what's that, the timekeeper's area. That was hilarious because he picks him up from the Uranagi and throws him down like two inches onto the barricade. So it's like, oh, that must really hurt. That two inches on padding. Two inches drop on padding. Ouchie. Drew McIntyre is out of the match again, like I say. Two times. 
while he's doing that he turns around and he finds that referee charles robinson's in perfect view of seeing exactly what happened he's like oh my god yeah it's a good thing charles robinson is uh, is very nearsighted so he could not see that because his bad vision and you can clearly see well you can't clearly see uh listener but uh if you haven't seen uh charles robinson is not wearing his glasses his prescriptions as if you will but in the ring it's uh it's Jimmy Uso in there with uh, Sheamus. Um, because uh, now outside, after that big attack, Solskoa, he gets taken out of the game too by the brawling brutes. I thought they're gone, but they're still around. Butch and Rich Holland, they come in there and they take out uh, Solskoa. They fight out to the ring. They fight, take the fight outside and they fight to the back. Well, inside, of course, like I say, it's uh, Jimmy Uso and Sheamus. Sheamus with a big old-fashioned bro kick knocks down um, Jimmy Uso. Goes for the pin, but however, it's Jey Uso pulls him to safety. Sheamus, he climbs on the top rope and with his best, uh, what's it, uh, luchador impersonation, he jumps off and, you know, there's no high cross. He just jumps off in front. He just lands in front of them on his feet. And then uh, Jay and Jimmy Uso take a bump. Now inside the ring, Sheamus brings back Jimmy Uso and he starts beating up some more and tries to give him some white noise and he kisses him on the shoulders there and uh, Jay Uso climbs up on a ring apron. He gets kicked off. Oh! And then while that's happening, it's the roll-up. The schoolboy is done by uh, Jimmy Uso. Schoolboys, Sheamus, and then they're patting it I got your back maneuver. It's Jey Uso slides his feet in. Charles Robinson, the perfect spot not to see anything. But slides his feet in and gives uh, his uh, brother uh, Jimmy a, uh, you know, a, a solid foundation to get the pin on uh, Sheamus. And uh, yeah, in about uh, 10 minutes, in 10 and a half minutes, this match was over. And the Usos with a cheeky victory over Sheamus and Drew McIntyre, of course. And why would you think they'd lose? Why would you think the Usos would lose there against such a put-together team? Backstage, of course, it is uh, Sami Zayn celebrating like you've never seen. It was great. He looked like he was literally having sex with his uh, bowl of popcorn. Yeah, he just everything's gone. It was uh, yeah, it was a very big celebration. Sami Zayn very proud of his uh, bloodline for, brethren, I guess you can say for now. So, anyways, that wraps it up for another week of SmackDown. And also concludes this episode of the podcast. Now, if you have stuck around uh, for the very end no, I, of the show, no, I uh, have a very special place in my heart just for you. So join us again next week for an all-new episode of The Wrestling Show. And always remember, listener, you matter. Well, this is my floor. I guess I'll be talking to you later, stupendous. Oh, yeah, well, all right, Chapo, I'll talk to you later. Um, excuse me, but, uh, can you press the, uh, eighth floor for me? Oh, uh, well, I sure can, uh, wait, you know, you look a little concerned, fella. Uh, it smells like scar smoke in here. Have you been smoking? You know that you're not supposed to smoke in here. Oh, relax, guy. I didn't smoke. It's just a fart. I farted in here, okay? Well, you know, 
It just smells like cigar smoke because thanks to Windex, it changed my horrible smelling fart into something more pleasant, like cigar smoke. Uh, you know, I'm really not sure what's worse, you know. Oh, thank God, I'm out of here. Do you suffer from intestinal combustion and IFSF, insufferably foul-smelling farts? Well, Windex may be the solution for you. Turn your foul-smelling farts into a scent sensation, like Cinnabon, lawn clippings, new car, and even cigar smoke. Join the millions and make Windex part of your daily uh, supplement ritual. Windex must be used on a daily basis. The sudden stoppage of Windex after extreme extended use may cause worsening of flatulence. Lewisling, show, oh, 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 baby.